Yo, what's up, people? This episode of Gravity Lab Radio is brought to you by Option Studios. Option Studios is a graphic design company. They do a little bit of everything. If you've listened to the show long enough, you know quite a bit about them, man. So instead of telling you that they make the dopest jerseys, they make the best jerseys on the market, they make these killer wind blades, they make pull-up cords, you name it, you need it, graphic design. And instead of telling you the things you know about them, I'm going to talk about who Option Studios is to me. Um, Adam Buckner is actually a buddy of mine. We met through the industry. We met through the business, and he's a really good guy. Uh, he's been doing this for quite a long time. But I'm going to focus tonight on one of their designers, man. One of their designers, one of their graphic designers is a young lady named Elsa, Elsa Peterson. Elsa actually happens to be a fun jumper at Skydive Spaceland Houston. Uh, I got to know her through the drop zone and training her. I needed some clip art work done for some skydiving PowerPoint presentations. And at the time, Option Studios didn't offer things like this to, to a point that I needed. So uh, I actually outsourced to Elsa. She did a killer job. I gave her an example of what I wanted. She, she knocked it out of the park. She did such a good job uh, of paying attention to my needs, my wants. She supplied me samples and said, hey, this is what I'm doing before I go any further and make an agreement. Let's make sure we're on the same page. The attention of detail that Option Studios has always had, the attention of detail their staff holds has always been a really good thing. But adding new designers like Elsa, uh, A, she cares. She really has a passion for this design thing and making beautiful things. Um, but uh, she also really wants to do the right thing by you. Check them out. They do a great job. Camille runs their office, man, and Camille is just a wonderful lady. She really is the brains behind the business, not a graphic designer. Adam brought her on recently. I say recently. It's been over a year now. But that's allowed him as a designer and the other folks to focus on their job and their creations and let her really run the business. So when you hit up office at optionstudios.com, when you're sending them an email, when you're talking to them, chances are you're talking to the boss, the El La Jefa. You're talking to Camille. She's a super wonderful lady. Adam runs a place. He owns a place. You need graphic design. You need jerseys. You need pull-up cords. You need a logo for your new drop zone opening up. It doesn't matter optionstudios.com, pullupcords.com. Tell them you heard from us from Gravity Lab Radio, and maybe, just maybe, uh, they'll do something nice for you. Also, oh yeah, by the way, they made some really dope new jerseys. Gravity Lab Radio jerseys are for sale. Go to our Facebook page. You will see the Gravity Lab Radio jerseys. We got retail models. One's gray, one's white. They're 75 bucks plus shipping. Uh, hit me up, Monty at gravitylabradio.com, and we'll get those to you. Uh, Gravity Lab Radio also, man, uh, I mentioned them last week. They're not a sponsor. Uh, they're really not part of the show except for they're part of our hearts. Uh, so I just want to throw some love out tonight to uh, Jump for the Rose. Jump for the Rose is run by Marion Sparks. Jumpforthe-rose.org, O-R-G.org. And you can uh, donate money. This money goes specifically to treatment and care for women with breast cancer. It's cool that uh, entities like Susan G. Komen and research uh, uh, foundations exist. We really need that research. We really need that information. But, man, our, our women today need to be healed. Our wives, our girlfriends, our sisters. Marion is a very dear lady to me. I taught her to skydive. She's become a sister to me, no doubt. And, uh, man, my friend's life was saved by the rose. So Marion raises money through Jump for the Rose directly to the rose. Check them out. Give them a holler. Skydivers supporting not only skydivers, but supporting women, supporting uh, cures for breast cancer. If you're in the Houston area, you can go to the Rose to get your annual mammogram if you have insurance. I don't remember the math, so I'm going to not screw this up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the rough idea. 
for every so many women who get a mammogram through their insurance, it pays for so many women to get a mammogram who don't have insurance. So you don't need them. You don't have to go there. You can have your own doctor. But just by getting your mammogram at the Rose, you're taking it out there and you're helping that next lady who really needs your help. Check out the Rose. Check out Jump for the Rose. Super awesome ladies. Tonight, we had a good buddy, Joel Brooks, on the show. Joel starts as a fanboy in skydiving, kind of uh, heard of us, got to know who we were, has listened to, uh, I think, most of our episodes, and uh, it's really neat to meet somebody who who didn't know who we were before they knew where, knew who we were. It's a really good time. We like that vantage point, that viewpoint from the new jumper, and dang, man, Joel just uh, does a good job telling a story. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation and this visit as much as Nick, Justin, and I did. We had a really good time. Enjoy your weekend, guys. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. <laughs> that got really exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah! Give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Hello, hello. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies. No, I couldn't hear you. What did you say? Uh, Well, it's. I imagine if I'm in your seat right now, or if it was my first experience being on the podcast, <laughs> when the music's playing, and it's like, oh, shit. It's about to get real. What if I say something stupid? Seems like the, the time to get nervous. Joel, were you getting nervous? A little bit. See? Scotch helps. <laughs> scotch helps. <laughs> scotch, scotch, scotch. So, uh, guys and gals, we got Joel Brooks on tonight joining us. Uh, Joel, for, for me, is a really exciting guest, uh, first of all. Uh, I'm going to call him a fanboy. He's owned that a little bit. Um, I'm a fanboy of certain people as well. Uh, Joel's kind of followed the show since he first learned of skydiving and actually came to Spaceland partially through the show. So uh, super fun for us to have somebody who's followed us, who we've actually got to follow your progression as well. So I've, I've also been a fan, man. I think you've done well for yourself. So thank, thank you, you for being here tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, before we talk about that, I need to answer your question. Before we uh, got live, before we got hot, Nick was wondering if I try a sip of this scotch and a sip of this scotch, could I tell the difference? Which one would I like See, is, the, was the, the question. The only thing that I think would influence uh, my decision is I've heard you guys talk about the smoothness of the scotch. And so I'm just going to try and guess whatever the fuck smooth alcohol tastes like. I was just about to say, I, I know for a fact you'd be able to tell Don't the say any difference names. between Don't a say any sherry names. Okay. versus uh, like a, a, an overseas oat cask sure, sure, versus sure an I'm, American oat I'm cask. I'm going to be able to tell that they are different. <laughs> No, because but, of the smoothness I, of it. You definitely like the smooth ones first to start out with. So, Justin, okay. I just sent you a text message. Uh, what I want to do, Nick, is I'm curious if you know the difference. You don't drink much, so just a sip. I got two sniffers up there. Let's do give a, you a Do you sip. have a sippy cup? Uh, two sippy cups. <laughs> um, we're going to pour those two That's bottles. That's exactly what yeah, I was I li- thinking. Yeah. I really Perfect. like where this is going. We're not going to tell you anything about any of these bottles, and we're going to see what you think and how you feel about it. Okay, I, li- I like this idea. So oh, man, we're starting it off right. Justin and I are going <laughs> to set this up real quick while you two hang out. So. All right, cool. <laughs> so, uh, Joel, how many skydives do you have? I have 92 skydives. And when, when did you start? I started March of this year. It uh, was when I came out to get my license. That's not a bad first year. October. October of <laughs> last year is when I did my first tandem. Okay. My right. wife bought me a Six tandem. Six bottles of scotch in front of me. My wife bought me a tandem for my birthday, and I was, it was, it's just like everybody says, it was one's instant, instant hook. I was like, oh shit, I got to do that again. Did anyone else jump with you on that first day? Um, my tandem instructor. No, but like any no, other friends no, or family, no, no, nobody else. Nobody no? else did. My wife wanted to, but she was on the ground with the kids. 
Someone's got to babysit, yeah, right? That's very babysit. responsible. I want to say a big thank you to anyone who brings children to the drop zone and is responsible enough to care for them while they're there. Amen. And uh, not do the opposite. If you if you go, unless you have an extremely well-behaved kid, it's rare that you have a kid who's well enough behaved that they're not bothering anybody, not causing problems by running around on the ground being loud. You got a kid that can just sit and hang out and read a book or... Busy on the iPad? Yeah, that's cool. I, I had quite a few days off for this Christmas, New Year's break, but my wife still had to work the whole time, so I didn't get to come out and jump at all because my six-year-old, if I sat her on a picnic table and was like, here's your coloring book, just sit here and color and got a snack and a drink and I'll be down in 20 minutes. Mac. She would be totally fine. My three-year-old would be like, fuck that. I'm running <laughs> around screaming. They, the creepers on there, he would just be spinning creepers the whole day <laughs> if I let him. Uh, you make the he's, whole he's drop little, zone responsible for babysitting your kid? I actually had a buddy do that. He said, come out and jump with us. I'm like, bro, I got the kids. He's like, fuck, somebody will watch them? I was like, <laughs> no. I, that's like the one thing I've, I've, this show has given me, like the insider, sneaky insight. Like, hey, don't be that fucking guy. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. Well, that's good. Don't be that guy. You've done a good job. I've, I've been listening a little bit here. It, my old DZO had a sign in the entryway. Unattended children will be given a Red Bull and a puppy. Yep. Um, and and <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, you, I think you would have done an okay job of not making an ass of yourself no matter what, though. I mean, I appreciate the insight we've given you, but I, I think you've gotten away with it pretty well. So, Nick, I just have two glasses in front of you. Okay. Justin, I'm going <laughs> to suggest he drinks them in the order you gave them to me. Okay, yeah. yeah. I would, too. Yeah, because that's where we're going to tell the okay, real difference. Wh- which, which is number one? The one closest to you. Here's number yeah. one. Give it a try. See what you think. Do I sniff it? Is that proper? So in proper like whiskey tasting, they say like smell it once. Swirl you're it just getting alcohol. Okay. Smell it the second time so you're not smelling just alcohol. Okay. So you put your nose, o- feels you like put a your nose over it and then inhale this through your mouth. This is the first bottle. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're going to get the full tasting <laughs> so experience. Oh, yeah. That works. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. all right. And so I'm going to tell you guys. You guys know that I haven't. Drank very much in my life. Correct. Not yeah. certain that I've ever actually been <laughs> legally drunk. Had a couple glasses of wine at a time. That's the most I've ever had. Enough and to knock over a glass. I just want. <laughs> exactly, right? God, that sound. I still hear it. Jesus. But I want you to know the first time when I smell this alcohol, when I was a little boy, my mom would pay me $5 to take off her toenail polish and repaint her toenails. And I was all about getting that five dollars. <laughs> you, you know what I smell when I smell alcohol? I, I smell her. Th- yeah, polish. figured no, out polish. Remover. The funny thing mm-hmm. is, when I was there at touring that distillery uh, in July, uh, they they had a little sampling afterwards, and they start out with the heads that come off, unaged heads, uh, which is basically moonshine that comes off of the top of the still, and you taste a little bit, and that stuff. <laughs> That's basically fingernail polish remover. That, that'll melt your taste buds. Okay, I'm going to give this first one a shot. Hey. Cheers. Enjoy it. Yeah, that's all right. So they say actually keep it in the back of your mouth. Chew a little bit. It activates chew those taste it a little bit. Oh, dude. Mm-hmm. And if you start drinking and appreciate it, you will no- notice that. They kind of breathe through your mouth a little bit. So that's one. You can go okay. straight to so two, or so we can get you a water oh, to clean no, it off. No, let's just give give me a minute. All right, cool. <laughs> so, anyways, Joel, man, mm-hmm. what do you do for work? Where Where's your living at? I'm a military working dog trainer for the Air Force. Military working dog trainer for the Air Force. Police canines for the military. Okay, police canines or are they combat canines as well? Or any canine? Yeah. Well, so all of 
the entire DOD gets their dogs from us. So Department of Defense. Department of Defense, okay. yeah. Air Force, Army, Navy, Marine Corps. I work with trainers from all four branches. We all are on the same team. We all train the dogs. And my dog that I just certified yesterday can either go to an Army base, Navy base, Marine Corps base, doesn't matter. Uh, so our, our unit supplies the entire Department of Defense canine program. It does matter what base he goes to. Because real military is the Marine Corps. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying, man. Have you guys seen this video, Nick? Well, I'm going to oh go God. straight shaking. Why? He didn't use the typical Hold rebuttal. That let me, that let me the Marine Corps is a division of the Navy. Yeah, that is a good one. <laughs> it's the men's division. <laughs> <laughs> men's department. Hold on. I'm ready to try this other scotch. Let me see if I can derail this conversation. Okay. Yeah, no, you're not going to derail the conversation because I want to promote what he's doing there. <laughs> at, least, at least it's not the Coast Guard. That's true. I, I do <laughs> notice a different smell. Okay. This, this, this smell... Seems less abrasive than the other one. I am shocked to hear that. It smells less like fingernail polish remover, is what I'm telling you. Yeah. All right, here we go. Do I do I sip it, like with my lips, or do I just get it all the Swirl way in my mouth? Swirl around in your mouth a little bit. But but <laughs> I should be <laughs> sipping it, like I'm sipping hot tea. Same move. No. Yeah, just a little. Do bit. I just dump it in my mouth like as a I shot? I pour it through my lips. Let me see. Yeah, just see. put it in your mouth. Swirl it around a little bit. All right, all right, here we go. I just pour it past my lips because mm. mm. that was the first one I was drinking. So hang, hang on. <laughs> do you know what we gave him? I don't. Two? Okay, I don't. Oh. This is the second. Oh, one. okay. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I mean, which I one do you like better? First of all, if I had to, if I'm using the word smoothness to compare these two, I would say the first one is smoother than this. Which one would you rather drink of the two? Neither. I don't know. Neither one of them <laughs> is doing very much for me. Which one do you think was a nicer bottle? I still, I still don't know for sure. Okay. So the first one, for those listening and, and watching, is McAllen 15. Fine Oak. Yeah, uh, Fine Oak, yep. It's, uh, oh gosh, depends where you go. You can get it uh, lucky for 60, 80. 80 is pretty normal. Uh, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, I think it was about <laughs> 60 something pounds at the distillery. Yeah. This one is actually from the distillery in the UK. Um, you can find it for up to 100 and you're, you're getting ripped off. Uh, and the other one was Johnny Walker Black Label, which I think you got like a five note and you're good to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they give it to you in a small paper bag. That's, the sh- <laughs> that's what I would get at like a shitty club, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like no. the second one. If you ask for like a scotch and soda, they Throw on some hip hop music and give me that whatever the fuck you said the second one was. The Johnny Walker Black, you wouldn't be necessarily a shitty club. You can be at a decent, like an open bar. Matt and Chelsea's wedding was an open bar. And us Scotch drinkers were like, man, for an open bar, Johnny yeah. Walker Black, okay, you ain't scraping bottom. That's it gets decent. worse. It's a step up from doers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which hurts my feelings that Alberfeldy is the doers because they're two very different, but they're the same. So um, now you know your answer. You can't tell the difference, apparently. Yeah, I don't think I can. I mean, the, I, the second one, I, I would say, has more of an aftertaste th- than uh-huh. the first one also. But, uh, yeah, if you had to just, if you gave me both, I don't think I could. Knowingly so pick. the finish is a big thing. The finish. Yeah, that's that's what your ta- the aftertaste, mm-hmm. as you're saying, like the this one lingers with you and is kind of a little offensive after the <laughs> taste versus I am versus the fifteen. Where how it's come just no one like gave me a trigger warning? You drink it and it goes away. Hashtag triggered. You answered the question correctly though. The first one is much smoother. <laughs> so Joel, we're gonna get back to this military thing, but did you see the video Nick put out? Because he did not derail this. Shit. Oh I man, d- even I, I had forgotten. I, I did see that and I shared it and. Thanks, buddy. 
Dude, I want to uh, share with our That's friends awesome. watching our Facebook, our friends listening to the podcast. If you've not checked it out, uh, Nick, uh, Nick, Justin, Justin is going to share it on the Facebook page right now. Oh, don't uh, me. Nick put out a really cool video raising awareness for the Semper Fi Fund. Uh, your brother is a Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Yeah, he's a retired Marine. Yep. My father was a 28-year Marine, and I've always had a heart for Marines. Um, they're kind of retarded and special. I was going to say <laughs> you had a heart on for Marines. I thought that's where you were going. No, that's the <laughs> Only because that's from uh, Full Metal Jacket. Uh, full Metal Jacket Jack was like Bible to my dad. Um, so you're, you're raising awareness for this organization. You put out a really cool promotional video out there. Uh, check it out, folks. Uh, raising money for a really good fund. These are helping our soldiers who've come back to help them uh, associate back to life, to do their jobs, to do their things. And I really don't care what good military fund you support. Um, Silver Fi Fund is one that I can definitely take near and dear to my heart. So you work with military. I do. Sorry, I, I, just, I had to hijack Nick. I just say I, I work out pretty regularly, and I got tired watching you flip that damn tire. That's a fucking monster of a tire, man. That How much did it weigh? 407, 427? Four, it was either 407 or 417. 407. I, I'm not, I'm not sure which. I mean, th in the video, I said 407. Okay. But the actual count, I I estimated that it was going to be 415 based on the length of the runway and the, the size of the tire. And I, I, had, uh, I was listening to my headphones the whole time that had an interval timer going. So the first, I did, I did three sets of 110, and then it started again. So I had a timer set that it would do 11 sets of 10 is what my timer was set up for, right? So... My timer finished after 110, after 220, and after 330, and then I started again. But I know that I glanced at the at my timer clock deal before I started that last set of of 17. But I don't remember if I I don't remember what number I was at when I started. I didn't look at the the, the set number I was on. But it was a bunch. You didn't want to go back and watch the whole video and count it. <laughs> No, not really. No. And I, I feel I, I tried <laughs> uh, a couple of times to tell Stephen and Raul, who were filming for me, like, "Hey, you don't have to get everyone because no one wants to watch me flip this tire for two hours. I don't need all of it." Yeah. So I, I they may have missed a set or two, or or, or maybe not, but dude, the the, the puns. The puns. Yeah. I was gonna say that was a highlight for me. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, there were still a couple That's that I that I didn't use. Like, uh, like I still haven't told my mom ab about the video because uh -huh. I was worried it was going to rub her the wrong way. Oh, man. <laughs> but I had that shit set up. <laughs> you know, That's I actually... Was man, I need, a, I, really, I need to have your soundboards over here. So <laughs> oh, I actually was going to stop telling dad jokes, but he really likes them, man. He really does. That one took me a second, yeah. but that's great. That's really good. That one needed the wah, 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 wah. Nope, I like it. <laughs> I love it, man. And the more I hear it, the more it makes me laugh. I think you have I've Nick knows it. Uh, what do you call a cheap circumcision? A ripoff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, hanging out with my brother-in-law, and we were having like some fun conversations, and something came up that made me go like, yeah, Dad, when I was a child, man, my dad had gave me a cheap circumcision, and he said it was a ripoff. He thought I was serious for a little bit. So I back to One of my favorite ones I, s I saw recently is a guy walks into a pet shop, He's like, hey, does this birdcage have any nickel in it? Guy's like, I'm pretty sure it's just aluminum. He's like, so there's no nickel in this cage? He's like, please don't do it. He's like, it's a nickel-less cage. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. I love dad jokes. So you're training dogs for the military. They're canine units uh, as far as, are they work with police dogs? What do, they, what do these dogs end up doing? These dogs so we sent certify our dogs in 
detection. Most of them are go out detection and and patrol. So detection is either finding drugs or finding bombs. Okay. So once they get their they get trained up, they get certified in detection, either p- explosive or narcotic. Then they come over to my side. I'm on the patrol side now, so I teach them how to bite people, how to let go of biting people, how to find people in buildings and in the woods, and how to do basic obedience type stuff, sit down, stay, heal, marching, heal, stuff like that. And then um, then we certify them on the patrol side, and then they're dual certified, and then they go out to regular bases. So I'm over at Lackland. We have a canine unit on there uh, on the base. So they go out and they patrol the streets uh, you know, on, on base, and they do you know, checkpoints coming in and, and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, so every, every, all four services, all the bases worldwide, most, most of them have dogs on station for finding bombs and finding drugs. And so when I think, people when, in need when I think of a canine unit, I, I think of a German shepherd. That's the visual that I get. Mm-hmm. Is that the only dogs that you guys train? It's not the only one. It's a majority. Uh, it's a lot of German shepherds. And then the other main breed is Belgian Malinois. Uh, it's a very similar family. They um, they tend to stay younger longer. They don't have the the back and hip issues that shepherds get because they've shepherds have been bred for that. You know, you see the 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 stereotypical shepherd pose. He's got the the cut back to the, the hind legs are lower than the chest. Mm-hmm. The chest is high. That's really bad for their their hips. It looks like he's that breeding. Like it's it's done for. It was done you know for the look, but it's not good for their hips. So their hips tend to go out when they're younger. Mal's have the same Malinois, Belgian Malinois, we call them Mal's. They have the same level of intelligence and, and, and drive to work, and they don't have that back and hip issues that a lot of chefs get when they get younger. And uh, shepherds are sometimes too smart for our own good. They'll work as hard as they need to to do what you want. Like if I send a guy running off in a bite suit, the shepherd's going to run, and right before he hits, he'll do like, we call it the shepherd shuffle. He'll do a little kind of shuffle, like slow himself down before he hits because he does, you know, if you hit, if you're standing still and I run and slam into you, it's going to hurt me just as much as it hurts you. So shepherds do that little shuffle to kind of slow down right before they bite. But uh, mouths will just slam you <laughs> full speed, full force every single time. I've had buddies get knocked out by mouths because they also, they like to jump from like 40 feet away and freaking <laughs> sail through the air and they'll catch you in the top of the shoulder. Uh, so they'll hit you in the shoulder. You'll spin all the way around, land butt first on the ground and your head snaps back as you're falling down. And uh, yeah, one of my buddies got caught in the shoulder. This this mal leapt from like 12 feet out, hit him going 40 miles an hour, spun him around. He landed on his back and his head kind of did the tail of the whip thing on the ground his oak leaves flew off his face and we're like bro are you good <laughs> and there's no response dog starts dragging him through the dirt and we're like hey are you good and we go running up he's asleep just <laughs> getting dragged through the freaking dirt by this dog so yeah but mal's is kind of the other one malinois they they will work until they die you have to r- rein them in because they just want to fuck shit up all day do they learn as quickly uh th- shit, the one that i just did they give us 60 days is uh, 60 days in detection, 60 days in patrol is kind of the standard for the timeline for getting these dogs certified. The dog I just certified last month, he was a Malinois. Very typical of the breed, Malinois, just crazy. He had the crazy eyes. He's super intense, super focused, super smart. I got that dog out in 20 days. He wow. fully certified in obedience, bite work, everything. Is that this guy on the monitor behind you? Uh, Far right. No, that's, that's Diego. Different one. Got him qualified yesterday. Uh, very similar. He was, I think, he was 28 days. And that's a Mal right there. That's a Mal. 
He's got the crazy eyes for sure, dude. Yeah, he's got the crazy You know the dude yeah. Crazy Eyes and Adam Sandler movies? Uh, <laughs> Steve Buscemi plays him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, dude, he's, he's got the crazy eyes. He's got the Steve Buscemi crazy huh. eye look going on, man. Like he needs the aviator goggles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doggles. So I imagine that there's some sort of uh, proficiency chart that they have to fill out to, to certify the dog. Mm-hmm. How, how many uh, articles are on this chart? Um, I don't know. I each individual items i know um i mean i guess maybe you could just tell me more about how how you know that the dog is ready um so we go i mean it's the we have a a regulation that goes over qualification standards so they have to meet a certain set of standards before we even put them up for qualification um but they have to they have to be proficient in so obedience he has to be able to sit and you know, go into the sit, go into the down, go from you to me in front of me, has to be able to return to heel, which means he walks over to me and assumes a sit position at my side. He has to be able to march in the heel, so I have to be able to, you know, we've seen military marching. He has to be able to march with me and maintain that heel throughout turns and about faces and stuff like that. And then bite work, they have to release on command. And then, you know, there's certain times where in the field, if you'll send a dog after a bad guy and he's like, oh, shit, I immediately regret this decision, I give up, you have to be able to call your dog out and not have him bite that guy after he's already been like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go fucking bite that guy. So they have to be able to break that drive. So you have to, it's called a standoff. So I'll send you running. You'll run and I'll call, you know, dog out. And then they'll stop. They have to stop and not bite the bad guy after that. So that's a, that's a hard one for a lot of dogs. They just want to fuck shit up. Um so yeah, stuff like that. Standoff. They have to be proficient in all those tasks before we put them up for qualification. And then qualification day. I mean, dogs are a lot like us. They have good days and bad days. You have a dog that's great at everything that you want to take them out for. Okay, it's it's test day. You have to pass this test, and they just want to go out and show their ass and make you look like an idiot. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, this dog's ready for qual. He's awesome. He's good to go. He does everything right. And then he bites on the standoff. And then you tell him to sit. And he's you know you tell him down. He lays down. You tell him sit. And he's like. Never heard of her. They just stay in the down and stare at you. Like, I got nothing, bro. Like, Never heard of her. Is one of those tests where you pull the dead hooker out of your trunk and bury it and see if they can find it? <laughs> no. Justin's now. No. He's not, probably not, for not a cadaver friend. dogs. Uh, I've had a few police officer, canine officer friends, mm-hmm. and uh, both of them taught their jo- uh, trained their dogs in German. Do you guys do the same? No, ours ours are taught in English. There, uh, it was interesting because I asked some of our dogs go to the army. So it's, we're not going to try and train the army how to speak German and English <laughs> hard enough. <laughs> um, I had asked him, and their their logic was easy. They're chasing criminals and crackheads, and they don't want the crackheads to know how to back their dog down. They only want their they they don't want them to have control. Probably not as big of an issue with your dogs. Yeah, not so much. And then even then, a lot of it is um, rapport with the trainer. Like mm-hmm. that last dog that I had, he and I had a really good bond built up just from working together for a while. And then uh, I had one of the more experienced trainers. Like if I'm struggling with trying to teach him something, like it's just, we're just not, I can't, he's not getting it. I'm not able to teach him. Like I, cause there's, you know, not ever, not the, the same training method doesn't work for every dog. Some dogs, you know, some like that last dog that I had, he's super smart. Like if I, you know, normal hand commands, if I tell you down, it's down. Tell you sit, sit, heel. I slap my leg. You have to walk around. This dog, I could just stand there with my hands folded, hands in my pocket, like down. He would do it. Sit. Like, heel. Come over. Like he just 
you know, just knows it. Like so smart. Next level some, some of these other dogs, um, yeah. I've had more experienced trainers take a dog from me. Um, forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> oh, bad guys not being able to con- call your dog off yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's rapport with the trainer. So if I, if I'm working my dog and we're screwing something up or I'm not I'm not being able to teach him right, you might take the leash. I'm like, well, let me try something. I I know this other technique that I might yeah. try, and you even being a more experienced trainer or whatever, he might just not work for you very well just because you're not me. I've had I've had. Uh, you're not my fucking mom. Get out of here. You're not my real dad. <laughs> I've had to, I've had other trainers take my starts. dog from me, and they'll stand there, you know, they'll stand there, you to me away, and they'll be like, "Hey, sit." He just dogs like, "I don't fucking know you, bro. What do you mean, sit?" And they'll look over at me. He'll be like, "Sit." And give him a little pop on the collar, and he'll look at me, and I just, and then he sits. Like, it's, have it's you ever a lot tra- of rapport with the trainer? Have you ever trained beagles? No. We had, had a beagle for a little while. They're stupid. They, I, I got two beagles. <laughs> my, I love my beagles, man. And I, funny. I'm not going to argue that stupid comment one bit. Uh, it's, uh, we ours are trained reasonably well to a point. Uh, one of them, monster, is a pad, and wherever that pad is, he runs to it. So don't be a monster. He runs to that pad. Where do monsters go? Whatever. And he runs there with a fucking vigor, dude. It's, you've seen it, Nick. I think he gets excited. They know what couches. They know what. There's a carpet in the bedroom. And we call that carpet bedroom. So when we say go to the bedroom, he thinks it's not going to the bedroom, it's going to that carpet. Uh, hole is his crate, door. Um, what do you do at a door? Door means sit by the door. So is it decent, but dude, beagles are a pain in the ass. I actually, my last two dogs in the field, when they but when they were tired, I, that usually current handler gets first dibs on adopting them out. Like when they're done working, they, they're not, they're too old to be. Uh, productive for the military anymore. Yeah, the, yeah. They're usually their current handler will get first dibs on adopting mm-hmm. out, and I've brought them both home. And I've had people come over and like, "Oh, hey, but that's a cool dog. Sit down. Like, why isn't he doing it?" I'm like, "Bro, he's fucking retired. Leave him alone." <laughs> first off, and second off, I've had other dogs that weren't like retired working dogs. I've yeah. had other dogs, and they're like, "Oh, what did what does your dog do?" I'm like, "Nothing." And like, you train dogs. You don't have your dogs like super well trained. I'm like, I train dogs all day at work. The last thing I want to do is come home and train my fucking dogs here. Like. <laughs> Not trying to make show dogs out of my freaking pets, like yeah. Hey, bro. I'll, I'll I, I train manners. That's it. I train manners. You don't jump on me. You don't beg me for food. Like I'll give you treats and stuff, but you don't sit there and and beg and try and steal food from the table or whatever. You don't steal from the kids because my other one used to jump up and steal food right off the kids' high chairs and stuff. I know where um, you went wrong with just that one. Manners, manners, you kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're talking about really well-behaved kids. My kids are actually pretty well. Like, and it's not just my like. Oh, oh I, I think poor my behaved, personal bias. Like poorly behaved kids are usually the result of lazy fucking parents. Yeah. Like I don't think that mo- you know any any Preach kid it. is gonna have a lot of energy, right? Yeah. So give them a creative outlet. Yeah. For it's it. it's the responsibility of the parent to deal with that. Yeah. Of hey, Timmy, we're gonna sit down and have a talk about why you can't behave this way in public. Or I'm going to find something for you to do and, and take your attention someplace else so you're not bothering everybody. But lazy parents just bring their kid to the drop zone and they go, it's I've made enough. Or give them what they want because they're making too much racket. I've repeatedly yeah. had ridiculous looks from, from waitresses because they're like, oh, man, your kids are so well-behaved. I'm like, that's because I beat them when they're not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm just kidding. He's got a coloring book over here. He's fine. He's quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I love lying anyways. <laughs> I do feel like spanking is a dying art. But only because I remember what it's like to be afraid of being spanked, and that's why I didn't do anything. Yeah. Dude, uh, 
Also, the ladies powerful like it. deterrent. My my dad spanked me, and it definitely taught me a lot. There was a point my dad was spanking me one day, and I started laughing. I was like fourteen years old or something. And he's like grounded or spanking. I'm like spanking, and he start he just pulls out a belt, starts spanking me, and I just laugh midway through. I'm like, oh shit, I'm in trouble. He sat me down and said, how long ago did this stop hurting? I'm like, mm, three or four years, five years ago. <laughs> He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. He goes, this one's done. Where you, You've learned your lesson. It's groundings from now on. And he, he let me go oh with that. Oh, man, I thought that <laughs> was going to end with like, and then he dad punched me in the <laughs> face. No. <laughs> no. My, my dad is a very patient man. And uh, when I say patient, A, he raised me. But B, he does not mind waiting to get back at me. He doesn't mind it's waiting to do it the right way. So, yeah. That tune. Yeah, my um, I remember my stepmom. She was only nine years older than me, and she man, she, stepmom nine years older. Uh, she tried to spank geez. me one time when I was when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't say it's not child Please abuse don't. if you're still a juvenile. <laughs> she tried to spank me one time because I was acting up, and I just like I just stared at her like mind blank, and she's like, "Well, say something." Is that it? <laughs> She's not very powerful. Well, could have could have been worse then, I guess. So let's go backwards <laughs> now, and let's get back into skydiving for a minute. <laughs> you made your first Please. skydive win. <laughs> October of last year, my wife bought me a tandem for. Yeah, we talked about this birthday. earlier when you weren't paying attention. Was that part of me getting your scotch set up? Yeah, I thank you. So. It was Shit. delicious. <laughs> That's the best scotch I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> so October. After that, you <laughs> that decide one of the two? you want to learn to skydive. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which one. And you better. make your <laughs> next jumps in March. March, and that's I actually met you. Yes, I um, I was skydiving was one of those things. I mean, ev- I know everybody says it. It's very cliche. It was one of those things I always wanted to try. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to do this, but I always assumed it was one of those like fringe things that only rich, crazy people did. Like I didn't realize it was like it's an expensive sport. Don't get me wrong, but I did not realize it was as affordable as it is. Like I did that, I did. I made that first tandem, and they're like, "That can't land it." They're like, "It gave me the whole sheet and everything." Oh, here's our here's our jump course. Like, uh, you know, get your A license and you can jump on your own. And I looked at it, it was like three grand. I was like, "Damn, three grand? That's it?" They're like, "That's that's a lot." I'm like, "Yeah, but I thought it was gonna be way more than that." I I can afford three grand. Like, not this second, but you know, I got taxes and shit coming up. I was like, "Let me get let me get let me get on this train." <laughs> you uh. It, you- I've looked at you in my pilot's license. Three grand is nothing compared to a lot of these other hobbies. Yeah, So, sure. yeah, when I found out how cheap it was to skydive, I'm like, yeah, I, I can swing that. That's not nothing, but that's just, it's affordable. So you decide, man, I'm going to get into this, and um, kind of just to, to tie us together, the way you and I met is I was on Reddit. I'm a Reddit nerd, and I see this guy uh, pimping the show. He's like, hey, yeah, you should check out Gravity Lab. People were asking about things to listen to. And it was this guy named Zombie Ranger. I'm throwing your handle out there. Sorry. Um, that's fine. Uh, and I, I reach out to you. Hey, man, cool. Thanks for the thanks for the head, uh, the shout out. Blah blah blah. Hey, I'm coming to learn at Spaceland. When are you gonna be there? I'm gonna be there. I think it was tomorrow. I think it was a Friday night. Safety day. Yeah, I think I Friday was night. Out you're for safety day. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, and so uh, it was really cool. I actually got to meet uh, Joel that day, and uh, I was really curious. I th- uh, you you knew a little bit about me, but I'm like, is this guy gonna be like the creepy kid from his mom's basement? Because I mean, or is he just gonna be a really nice dude? Oh, I've, I've tried real hard not to come out and, and fangirl on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't beat Andreas Perez, dude. Yeah, he, he'll do. He, he wins. So the thing that was interesting for me and for Nick is you, I think, to me, were the, the, that I know of the first person 
who were partially influenced in your skydiving decisions by us. You you came to Spaceland. You were looking at Spaceland as an option. And one of the reasons you came here is listening to the show. Yes. And, uh, Nick, you just had a story recently. Somebody hit you up for the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Someone uh, had listened and, and came came to Spaceland. Very same situation. So we, similar. you know, we're really not trying to necessarily direct people to Spaceland just to good drop zones, but to have that influence and to see you learn where we're at. That's super cool. You're the first person who I really met through the show and in person. So you've always kind of held a special place to me, man. Gay Thank moment. you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, was, it was pretty funny because when I started looking into getting my A license, I looked at, I mean, I live in San Antonio, so mm-hmm. I looked at Lone Star. I looked at Skydive San Marcos before it was Space Line San Marcos. And they seem to have, you know, standard AFF programs or when, you know, no big deal, whatever. And, uh, but I'm in the military and I've actually got friends at work that jump that have been like, when I did my first jump, I, was, I went straight to them because it's, you know, it's the other people who get it that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, hurry up and get your license, bro, so we can jump together. And I'm like, I really didn't want to do a standard AFF program and, and, you know, take six months to get my license or, you know, getting two or three jumps in a weekend and then flirting with non-currency because weather or work or kids or whatever. And, and I realized it'd be a whole lot easier if I could just take a week of leave. And then I, you know, expanded my search out, found Spaceline Houston. and was like, oh, they have an A in a week program. I can just take a week of leave, shoot out there. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, and they have a they have a bunkhouse on site. So I could just crash at the bunkhouse, jump all day, get my license, come home and then be jumping with my friends next weekend. You know, and I, I think I had, it was after I did that first jump. I started looking into where I could go to get my license. I found Spaceland. Got really excited about it, and it's just, I mean, everybody's started at, at zero jumps. It's like you get that hunger. You're just like, I just want skydiving-related content. Like, I'm watching <laughs> videos on YouTube, and I found I uh, i had never really been super big into podcasts. I listened to Rogan a little bit, and I was like, let me see if I can find, like, a skydive podcast. Just because I, I just want to listen to people talk about this, because nobody at work I can really talk about it with except for those, you know, couple jumpers. And I was searching for podcasts. I found Gravity Lab, started listening to it, and Tom Noonan was the first episode I ever listened to. <laughs> Why so wasn't you? So exactly. So it's like he's talking Man, about. I still <laughs> we gotta have him back. He's talking about skydiving Everest. I'm punk. like, I've got one tandem. He's talking about jumping thirty thousand feet at Everest. I'm like, this is. First off, it's blowing my mind. Two people. Why wouldn't you? I'm like, what is going on here? This is like the perfect balance of like knowledge distribution and shenanigans. Like it's just enough fuckery to keep you interested. And there's so much knowledge going on. And it's now, I was telling him earlier, now every time I hear you guys, oh, why wouldn't you? Shout yeah. out. It's like, <laughs> I'm glad that some people catch that joke. As, as much as we talk about how like Gravity Lab is just like a, you're hanging out with your friends drinking, even if you're not here with it. Like I'm, I'll be listening on my drive to work and I'll hear you be like, why wouldn't you? And I'm like, it's like an inside joke that I'm a part of. Like it's kind of cool. Dude, my sister, I was home visiting for Christmas, and she yelled a why wouldn't you at me randomly. <laughs> why wouldn't you, man? <laughs> oh, but, but when I first started listening to you guys, I didn't realize, I think for, it might have been a couple episodes before I realized that you guys were even affiliated with Spaceland, because you really don't, you know. I mean, we're not officially affiliated. It's just like, I work there. You work there DJ you does work a lot of work there, there. Used to work there. Yeah. But it's it's just, it was funny, because I was, I was really strongly leaning towards Spaceland just for the A in a week program, and... The, the fact that I'd heard the level of instruction there so much higher than anywhere else. I was really leaning towards there. And then you, one of you guys said something about space. And I was like, wow, I was like, wait a minute, these guys like, well, I don't want to go there Houston? now. If those guys, man, they're there. <laughs> fuck this place. dude. I'm going to fucking know. 
I'm gonna go to Paris. <laughs> Wait, that's the guy that trains the instructors off. Fuck uh, that. Yeah, I'm out, man. God dang, dude. So <laughs> it's uh, you're for me a very curious story because we've been into the idea of having new jumpers on the show. I think you're the most vetted new jumper. So at almost a year in, at almost a hundred skydives, you you the the shiny's starting to wear off a little bit. You're starting to see through it. You're no longer just enamored with the sport. It, it's come real. Um, and I kind of want to travel through some of those conversations, okay. especially a lot of other new jumpers, the, the pitfalls, the upsides. I think you're going in a good place. Um, I think you've kept a level head on your shoulders. You ain't made an idiot of yourself. Um, not big enough, at least. Um, we all good at it. Not enough to be noted. Exactly. Uh, just stay off radar. Don't be just don't be the dumbest one. <laughs> you're going to be okay, man. <laughs> Chuck always says, don't fuck up first. Oh, yeah. man. No, just don't fuck up the worst. And don't be last to the dirt dive. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that too. When you first came into the sport, what what enticed you the most? Now, at this point, you've heard us. You've listened to these assholes in this room on a microphone. And you're coming out to the drop zone. What enamored you the most that first day you were out there? I mean, just from listening to you guys, like the community and just the level you. of like people. I just walk yeah. in, like I walked onto the drop zone and there people like, hey, what's up, man? I'm like, hey. How how are you doing? I'm, I'm never one of those like people person peoples. It's just I showed up and I was like, hey, I, I want to learn how to jump out of airplanes, please. And everybody's like, your new best friend. Everybody was super cool and just like I walked in and walked in this big open hangar with just tons of people there. And I was like, hey, I'm not sure where I'm going. They're like, you checking in? It's over there. You want to go to gear shops over there? Packing rooms over there? You fucking student area? Like, what do you what do you want? Everybody was super. The super thing that's chill. so easy for us to forget as licensed jumpers, experienced jumpers, uh, staff members, people who are so entrenched and embedded in the sport, is how intimidating it can be at the beginning, how overwhelming it can be at the beginning, and and, and uh, we don't think we're ignoring people. We don't think we're being rude to people because we're just busy and focused on doing our things. But at the same time, it's all, it can be off-putting. And it's one of the things that stood out to me when I came to Spaceland is uh, I showed up in my first day or two, uh, or my first day, as soon as I showed up, somebody walked up to me like, hey, bro, you DJ? Yeah, you're the new AFF instructor. Yeah, dude, dude, welcome, man. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see you, blah, blah, blah. And everybody was so welcoming. And I, I really think that Spaceland has always held that vibe, Nick. I'm, I'm, I say that I'm not super connected to the staff anymore because I'm not always involved with them. But I, do you feel that way is true still? As we see new staff come and go, it's a pretty friendly, pretty welcoming vibe for the most part. It seems like um, it depends a little bit on the time of year, like when it's like let's say it's winter time <laughs> and there's not as much work as there is in, in sure. other parts of the year, and someone hears that someone new is showing up. Depending on the current morale and how much we've been jumping, someone might complain like, "Oh, great! Now we're going to have even fewer work jumps." And if their name like rhymed with like Lick Soth or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> what? I didn't even Lick, catch that. I'm not going to go there. Soft. <laughs> but, um, That's how you make lot. it hard, right? <laughs> but <laughs> for the most part, you know, that maybe that gossip would happen if you hear someone yeah. showing up. But when that person actually gets there, as long as, as, long as that person's cool, then, yeah, they're going to be super welcome. Man, I hope we remember that. It's something that, that I strive for. I, I try. I, I struggle at times. And, man, I, a lot of my friends listen to the same thing. Is remember that new guy comes up and you and you are intimidated. You don't know what to make of this world. And the thing that he stayed for, the thing that caught your attention right away, you said, was the community. 
Um, we, we I, I've said it too many times in my life, but I, I came for the skydives. I stayed for the skydivers. And to me, it's super important we build that sense of community. Um, now, I, I'm real curious because I remember my first time on a drop zone. Um, I, I think I had a cheat. I had friends who were skydivers or, excuse me, acquaintances. We became friends very quickly. I had a lot of explanations of the drop zone life and a lot of explanations of what was going on. What was like so when I came on, I kind of had some expectations. When you came on to the drop zone, did you have any image, any picture of what you were about to walk into? Not really, honestly. <laughs> just a lot of people falling out of airplanes and doing sick flips and shit and just flips and shit. Flips flips and shit. <laughs> so, where'd you do your first tandem? I did my first tandem at Skydive Lone Star. Okay. Good drop zone, good place. Two very different vibes or, 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 or levels of, of drop zones just because Spaceland is just a very big entity. Um, Lone Star is a great place. When you walked up to there, they have a good presentation overall. How did you feel? What did you see? What's your first take on a drop zone? Um, I was just honestly just really excited that yeah. I was finally getting to jump, you know, do a jump. And we went in and they have a little trailer for Manifest and a little shaded area for with picnic tables for, for waiting and, and then a, another little trailer for, for packing. And it was just... Um, we went out on a very busy day and it was very hot out and we were grateful for shade and it was just kind of, we just yeah. sat there and hung out and watched everybody land. It was like, damn, this is so fucking cool. Like people just do this. How do we just do this for fun? That's ridiculous. So this is your first tandem. At this point, your wife got you the jump. She did. Had you done a lot of research into skydiving? Not really. So you had no clue what kind of plane you were going to jump out of yet. No. When you showed up, do you know what plane they were flying that day? It was a King Air. When you saw that plane and when you got into that plane, what were you thinking? I was a little surprised. At? Just, like, you look at the inside, there's duct tape everywhere and, like, missing <laughs> missing body panels in the roof. And because you can see the, like, the ribs of the, the airplane. I was like, damn, I'm really glad I'm getting out of this fucking thing. Man, if you can't duck it, fuck it. It's just, it's life for you. Um, and man, at skydiving planes, at skydiving planes in general, even like the nicest skydiving planes in the fleet, your average Wuffo non-jumper is going to go like, what the hell am I in? So it looks different. Now you come to Spaceland, but you've done a lot of research. You now understand probably something about jump planes. You probably had a clue that what kind of planes you might be jumping out of here. Mm -hmm. You went from what I would call a medium-sized drop zone to a large drop zone. Would you say that's fair? You've, you've been there, so. Yeah. 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 Have you been to Lone Star, Justin? No, not yet. Good people, good place. I got a lot of friends who jumped there. Yeah. Um, just back to a medium versus a large size drop zone. What's your impression when you walk into the drop zone now? Walking, oh, walking into Spaceline that yeah. first day? I was blown away. I was like, this place is fucking massive. And there's a. Get that thing back close to your mouth. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's a, okay. <laughs> Pull um, it at you. you. You can move there, it. I was, I was blown away. I was like, this place is massive. They've got two planes sitting here waiting to go. They've got us, there's two hangars. I actually had seen your YouTube video, uh, the drone, like aerial tour oh, of yeah. the drop zone. Was so that helpful? Was, that was extremely helpful, actually. Look at you, knowing Nick. that, <laughs> um, Get lucky showing that there's fun. you know four different landing areas and the maintenance hangar and the main hangar and and uh, I forget. I was looking on the website and it was unclear. One of the because the, you know so you go to Skydive Space Land dot com or whatever and it's it asks you if you want houston or dallas or whatever and i wasn't sure because if you go to dallas's page at the time at the time it was like you go to dallas's page and they had something about the the bunkhouse but you go to the houston page and there wasn't 
any mention of the bunkhouse on there. I was like, so I, I was like, I really hope there's a bunkhouse here because that would make it a lot easier. But yeah, your video they had yeah, the bunkhouse so on there. Yeah, so there was some serious talk about demolishing the bunkhouse, <sighs> that they were going to ta- tear it down and build a third hangar there. And that the third hangar would house a restaurant, house a new packing loft, more office space, all, all sorts of stuff that, ju- just spreading out the stuff that, that's already in yeah. the, the main hangar. And so they had found someone to buy the bunkhouse. And so really quickly they had informed everyone, hey, the bunkhouse is going. This was like a... a one week call to see you later for the bunkhouse. Oh, good. And so uh, was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the deal fell through some somehow, and then the bunkhouse was. Uh, it just seemed like it was kind of an up in the air deal for a little bit, and then it stayed. And then they, I wouldn't say they renovated the bunkhouse, but they improved it a little bit. They really cleaned it up, and that was probably, gosh, maybe a little over a year ago when they when they gave it a little facelift. Yeah, it's to about where the started. floor wasn't caving in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh. they they redid a bunch of stuff in the in the bathrooms and uh, there were holes on the floor. Yeah, holes and mold and just age. They rebuilt walls. I mean, they really redid it well. It, it was unbelievable what they basically half rebuilt the whole damn thing. So I was really grateful to have it coming out here for a week and getting to stay in the bunkhouse. Yeah, it was March, so it was, it was pretty chilly. And I've got I've 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 had plenty of nights where I camp out there in my tent and the you know and I'm fine but I was grateful to have the the bunkhouse when I came down for Yeah, it's so not not a bad place to crash. It's not a five-star hotel by any measure. Oh, it's not the man I, cu- I had a couple buddies they're like, "Why wouldn't you go get a hotel?" I'm like, "I'm paying $100 a fucking night for a hotel. There's a bunkhouse on site. Yeah, you walk it's 20 steps." And they're like, "Yeah, but there's would you a bunch of bunk beds with other people?" And I was like, "Bro, we've deployed to Iraq and stayed in 80-man tents. <laughs> like this is this <laughs> is better than that." Care, yeah. Who cares? It's a place to sleep between skydives. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably passing out anyways, dude. Yeah. I probably won't know the difference. Had a lot of firsts. Yeah. That first week. A lot of beer. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it, it's... I, I'm going to take a quick break just because I'm going to forget if I don't think of this now. But I just want to ask Nick about that shirt he's wearing. Uh, uh, this, yeah. this Mr. P Option Studios Gravity Lab jersey that I'm wearing right now? That, is this the one you're talking about? Yeah, man. So I hate to say it, but that's a one of a kind. That ain't uh, happening again. No, that's fine. Dude, that <laughs> is a, a custom Mr. P jersey. But uh, do me a favor, man. Pick yours up and and uh, Nick uh, or uh, Justin hit him on his camera. And so we have two colors. We have gray. We have white. And he, you're seeing right now on... Oh my God, Joel! Sorry, I forgot his name. Damn, rude! Come on, I brought dude. you a bottle of scotch, sir. Uh, <laughs> Just blame the scotch. It's I'll fine. The scotch. I'm taking it with me when I go. We forget my name again. <laughs> yeah. Blame it on the out. There it is, alcohol. man. The, the full bottle. Um, but there they are. Grab the jerseys. They are in stock. They do have them in my hands. Uh, he has that on. As you see me on camera, I have the gray on. We have them in white base. We have them in gray base. Uh, if you're not watching, check out the Facebook uh, feed. We have pictures on there. I have them at the drop zone for sale. 75 bucks plus 10 for shipping. So if I need to send it to you somewhere, um, I've already shipped some out across the different parts of the U.S. I should have done that one. Oh, that was an impressive one. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just let that rip. Oh, that, was, that felt good, man. Uh, but check them out. So you've now gone through the student program. You did it in a week. I did it in three days. Three days. Three. You did 25 jumps, 23 jumps in three days. Yes. How'd that go? That went amazingly. Th- this was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday in in March? No, no. So I came out. It was safety day when I came out. Safety day was a Saturday. Correct. I did my two prereq tandems. I had already had two tandems at Lone Star because I did that first tandem 
And then they have the, oh, jump again for $99. I'm like, I want to fucking jump again, like, real soon. So I did the little $99 deal, went out and did another tandem. And then I showed up, and they're like, oh, you you have two tandems, but they're not really instructional tandems. We really kind of need you to learn from our two tandems. I was like, all right, fine, I'll do, I'll do two more tandems. I don't care. So safety day, I did, my, I did two more tandems. And then Sunday, went through the first jump course. We had terrible weather all day Sunday, so there was not going to be any jumping anyway. So we really took a lot of time in the classroom. <laughs> and we also had who, who a, taught um, your class? Yes, Hank. Yes. Okay, that's the Hank first name that came to mind when you said what you said. <laughs> <laughs> so I love Hank. He's very thorough. I God, I love that man. Shout shout out to Hank. Um, <laughs> Drink. We also had we also had a um a guy. I love in, that he gets it all. <laughs> we had a guy in from we had a guy in from China, who really didn't speak a lot of English at all. And then we had a guy from Ireland who. I believe was Indian. Um, it was <laughs> he, yeah, very we had, we diverse. Had a, we, had a, we had a diverse class, um, but the, the the guy from China really didn't speak a whole lot of English at all. So Hank really wanted to take a little bit of extra time because the weather was bad. We weren't jumping anyway, so we wanted to make sure we took that extra time um, <laughs> to make sure he was picking up what what was getting uh-huh. put down. You understand what I'm saying, or um, is it like I'm speaking Chinese right now? <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand no. the words that are coming out? I've had, I've had, nobody I've had a, co- words I've had a couple of mouth. scotches, so I'm going to blame it on that. If I get Hank in trouble, I'm sorry, <laughs> Hank. I had a time. I love you. <laughs> there was uh, one time where th- we were going over flat turns versus regular turns, and Hank was trying to speak to this Chinese guy in such a way that he would get it, and he's like, if you're close to the ground... Are you going to do a regular turn or a flat turn? And the Chinese kid's like, regular turn. <laughs> Hank's like, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> like he just whispered it. He's like, sorry, I'm not, I'm not supposed to say that anymore. They told me I'm not to say that. Um, <laughs> you'll f- fucking kill you if you do. <laughs> then uh, you had to really kind of break it down for him. But um, To be fair, yeah, some so people who speak English from birth can't understand that. So. <laughs> so, so, yeah, Sunday we did a ground school. And then Monday... We hit it hard. Hank's like, you're in the military. And it was funny because Hank taught that first jump course and his sense of humor is just so much in line with my sense of humor. I was like, this is the guy I want to jump with for all my, like, for my jumps. But I kind of figured they'd said he was chief instructor. I was like, I'm sure he's probably going to go with the person that needs the most help and I'll go with whoever he assigns. And then Monday morning we show up. I'd done all my homework like he said to do. And he's like, you ready to jump? I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel ready. I don't think there's anything else you, you haven't taught me yet. He's like, all right, I'm taking you, and I'm going to push you hard. I was like, fuck yeah, this is who I wanted to jump with. And uh, yeah, so we literally, it would land. He'd be like, you still good? I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, drop that rig with the Packers. Come out with a new one. We'll go over this jump and get on the next one. I was like, all right. I did nine jumps on Monday. We did 11 jumps on Tuesday. Fuck yeah. And then Wednesday had kind of a cloudier morning and a decent afternoon. So we did a packing class first thing. And so what, 9, 11, 20. So we did 20 jumps Monday, Tuesday. And then I did my, my last three jumps on Wednesday. Wednesday morning, we did a packing class. And then last three jumps, stamp. He stamped me upside down. It looked like I had a big V on my head. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, fucking virgin, bro. What are, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, so I got, they, they, there was a point on Tuesday where... Fudala came out and he's like, he's like, bro, he's like, what the, f-? he's like, how many, how many jumps have you done? I was like, uh, nine going on 10 to that right now and whatever. And he's like, dude, I'm not calling you Joel anymore. You're the machine from here on out. I'm just calling you the machine <laughs> every time. I was like, hey, machine. Like, 
I love that fucking routine. Well, Burt Kreischer story. I can't hear that. Have you? You know who Burt Kreischer is? I do. Have you never heard his machine story? I don't think that. Man, I have. It's, it's really I good. I don't think I've heard there, that one. There's an animated version of when he tells it on uh, the Rogan podcast. Oh my god, it's super funny. Uh, send, uh, share the machine if you can, uh, Ginger. Hey, Ginger. Look up the machine and share it. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but man, that's so yeah, cool. They were calling to, me to, a to be days. through. Yeah, m- Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for a new a new skydiver to make pl- north of twenty jumps. So and I want that's great. First of all, I want to just bring a little clarity for the world because I will say that I don't think what you did is a good idea for most people. Um, I've taken a guy through twenty five jumps in two days. I don't think what he did is the right idea for most people. Um, Spaceland does not o- normally operate that way. We really see a limit. Uh, most people, three or four jumps is max learning for most people. Most people hit three or four jumps, and they are at diminishing returns. It is not worth it. I have no doubt some people can productively do nine and 11 jumps in a day, and, and I firmly can believe you you would be one of them. Um, Especially people that have done their homework, though, right, that are the super ahead of what's going to happen in the classroom, what's going to happen on their paperwork every day. So I also cheated. Again, like I said, that, that really big... Uh, hunger for content early on like watching videos hold on I, Justin. go ahead i went and i i downloaded the sim because the uspa website has it for free mm-hmm. you can order it for print and but i was too impatient to order it for print so i downloaded and you, and it you really enjoy extremely boring reading apparently i just wanted to know what i was <laughs> in for they have the entire student program laid out no, that's in that su- document. super admirable uh, so i i downloaded it i printed it out and I think I, I'm pretty sure I read it cover to cover twice before I came out for the student program. And then I just to scratch that itch when I was waiting, because uh, I did that first first couple tandems in October. So November, December, January was really crappy winter. It was a hard winter. I remember when I came out, they were like, it's been kind of a shitty yeah, winter. Yeah, it no snowed and everything, right? This yeah. was after the hurricane. So I That's went, when we had the hard freeze. I went and... I had I went and got like 15 minutes in the tunnel before I came out just so I could that one that I'm um, again first 15 minutes I'm telling you, you're not learning a whole lot but learning how to be stable and, hold a, really and hold a heading really good head was, start yeah that was it so like I came out I was pretty excited to to not fail any levels of anything so we got through the 20 jumps in two days because I already had a little bit of tunnel time and a little bit of a head start on staying stable holding the heading and not flailing potato chipping all over the damn place <laughs> i think you both hit the nail on the head if you're gonna do if you want to be the most productive and everybody takes their own pace you want a leisurely route and skydiving ain't nothing wrong with that pace you can afford that version do do what you gotta do but you're also that guy who has is trying to compact it in a week even if you're not going to do the 20 jumps in a day do your homework ahead of time the guy who did his 25 jumps in two day uh, in two days, he had did all the studying, all the pop quizzes, all the reading. He went through everything. We were stuck by weather, so we just sat there and, and just talked about skydiving for three days while we waited for bad weather or good weather. And then we were able to just jump, jump, jump. Go. You said 15 minutes of tunnel time is not very much. All I could do is find stable. But then what did you say? That's important. So yeah, being stable. That's like. That's that's. If you can hold still and hold a heading, man, you're half the way there. <laughs> That's breathing. <laughs> it's an essential life skill. I mean, being stable, man, that, that gets you. I mean, yeah, if you understand the movements that get you stable, then now getting you to move in any direction is, is much, much easier. And then that level of comfort it brings you. If it brings you too much confidence, that might be a problem, but it's going to bring you a level of confidence that allowed you to perform. So you didn't cheat. You were smart. I saw that, the, the graph 
uh, did you see? It was on Reddit the other day on the Skydiving page. They had it was a graph of of experience versus confidence, and you see at the very start it goes up really sharply, and then there's a point where it drops off, and then it gradually comes back up again. And they had the the point at the top of that like very start, and they said uh, it was titled Mount Stupid, and they <laughs> the, said oh, the there's, yeah, there's an actual name top, for yeah. Hunter Jump Wonders, and that's one uh, of the things I feel that's like a universal I, graph for everything. Uh-huh. I feel like I got that little bit of sneaky insight from this show and from listen you guys like yeah that's um, the the dunning-kruger effect i yeah dunning-kruger they're like thank you i I was spacing on that they're like oh look there's an actual technical name for 100 jump wonders i thought it was dunning-kruger effect i'm right at like 92 jumps and i feel like i'm at that point where i think it was another podcast you guys were talking about but it's something we talk about dog training too it's uh conscious incompetence yeah, like, I know enough to know that I fucking know nothing yet. Yeah, conscious incompetence. To, to be aware. Be aware of the fact that you know Yeah, nothing. there are four steps. Let me see if I remember. Uh, unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, conscious confidence, and unconscious confidence. Correct. Is that right? <sighs> I got through three. Fourth, I couldn't <laughs> think of. I, I was like, yeah, yeah. Fourth one. I, I lost it. Um, but, no, I think that anyone that comes into skydiving... You know, with the um, how'd you like that Spanish outcast? By the way, it was it was pretty good. It's like spicy and Christmassy. Yeah, spicy. Yeah. yeah. Where are you at with that Balvini fourteen? I like it. It's I, really yeah. nice. It's very smooth. That like r- that rum cask, dude. I love that rum. If cask. we were talking about smoothness, so my favorite bottle of scotch is like a ninety dollar bottle of scotch. Um, sixteen. Lagavulin sixteen. Yeah. Which actually was funny. I didn't realize that was a real thing. I got it from Parks and Recreation. That's the, yeah. the whiskey that Ron's. That's the reason drinks. I tried it. <laughs> and my brother-in-law, <laughs> fucking uh, nerds. My brother-in-law bought it, for, bought a bottle for me as like a welcome home gift for my last deployment, and it was really good. So I get one maybe once a year because it's like a ninety-dollar bottle of scotch. But there's another bottle. There's another scotch um, called Lafroig. It's from the same region yeah. of Scotland. It's from yeah. Isla. So you like and the real peaty stuff then? Huh? I do. I, I I like the real peaty smoky <laughs> stuff. And the that's what we were talking about with smoothness is I can Lagavulin, I will not touch. Like this, I'm not gonna put any ice in it, I'm not gonna touch it. It's so good as it is. But Lafroig, I need I need one ice cube because it's so much it's very similar in taste. It's just so much harsher. It's it's harder so to the, drink. The ice hard, cube it's like more flavor. of a burn. The, the, temp- is the temperature super smooth. smooths it out. The or the, are you actually watering it the down? Watering down a little bit. Okay. I I don't like to water it down too much because then you lose a lot of the flavor. But one ice cube is enough that it mellows it out enough that it's not as much of a burn. So um, what you're you're also getting is the water. So really, with a good with any scotch, but you're supposed to drop a little drop of water. Like take your straw, pick up a little water, drop. Do it you feel in the like scotch. you're explaining this to a child? A no. Most no. people most she's a pipette. I pipe it, and most <laughs> people don't realize this. And that that water opens up the bouquet, opens up the aroma, opens up the taste. And like I was at uh, Dallas with Con the Rigger there, and we were talking about that, drinking a scotch together. And uh, he watched me open it up. I, I'll drink every scotch and eat first. Like, okay, this is what it's like the way it, the way it comes out of the bottle. Now let me go ahead and give that a little bit of blast and see what it's like and what, what it tastes like now and see if I like it neat or with that splash of water. An ice cube will get you that effect over time as well, um, although it'll overwater it at the end. Um, Con tried it. Not if you I drink it, it fast enough. It, yeah. I don't feel – I just don't have the self-control when it comes to a beverage of any sort. I just can't sip it. 
Like if you poured me a glass of scotch and it was three mouthfuls of scotch, yeah, that's yep. That's, yeah, that's the thing. Do. It's like you it, can't sip if you on your chug it, it, it hurts. Yeah, you I'm, ca- an, I- you I'm an idiot. Skip. You have to. Sip. <laughs> no, I am an idiot. You got to sip on your scissor. <laughs> it's uh. So I didn't. You know, so I wasn't drinking stuff. much at all for years. As a matter of fact, I probably had a drink every 19, 18 months, um, yet for special reasons. And I started drinking again through a buddy of mine. He was a bartender. Um, that speakeasy we used to go to. Excuse me. And uh, I oh told man, I missed <coughs> that. That was a lot of fun. I want to. Uh, he. I told him like I want to start drinking again, but I want to get into a sip and drink something that I'll be forced to sip, so I don't drink a lot, so I can just enjoy having a drink, but not get crushed because I just I don't need to drink anymore. And scotches, it's it's that sipping drink. It's that desire to not burn myself and be an idiot. It's like oh man, let me enjoy it. And over time. There's a lot of shit now I drink that I didn't drink two years ago. So really kind of started drinking when we started this podcast. What have you done to me, Nick? What have <laughs> I done? You're the one that brought scotch, all right? <coughs> you drove you me to drink. You thought that this was a good I idea to have divorce. for guests to loosen people up. I, I, was, pr- I was probably a bad influence. I was drinking. <laughs> 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 That's probably me. I was drinking coffee when we first started doing this long show. a time, though. <laughs> Do you not drink coffee anymore? Not before the show. Yeah. Yeah, but that dude, those first few shows, I was like, yeah, I gotta be tuned up, I gotta be ready, <laughs> got the ice energy for this, I gotta be sharp. I just show up now. See, I'm the opposite. Scotch tunes me up. Really? Yeah. In what way? I don't know. I'm I'm naturally introverted, so Same. I loosen up a little bit more. Huh. It's just it takes. I don't know what it is. It sounds really bad, but a little bit of alcohol makes me a little loosen up a little bit. Take the edge off yeah. of the nerves. I still get a cup yeah. of coffee sometimes. Sometimes I, I I take a different approach at the beginning of each show. I still have Chipotle show. before I come. Every day. That's <laughs> where I was before I came here. Chipotle and Sprouts, man. My lunch was or at Freebirds that you were supposed to see. <laughs> I took. I thought I wanted to show you Freebirds. Oh really? Man, I don't know. Freebirds is okay. The thing I don't. Are we going to talk about burritos right now? Yes. yes. All right. So the <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. The thing I like about Chipotle is the menu's pretty simple. It's hard to fuck it up, right? Sure. That's true. But Freebirds, there are a lot of options, and you can combine it in a less than optimal way. So the first time I went to Freebirds, this is exactly how it felt. It's like I was at somebody's mom's house, <laughs> and we were super stoned and wanted to b- eat burritos, <laughs> and we're just going to do it with whatever we find in the kitchen, and that's Freebirds. What's in this Tupperware Everything. container? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This one? yeah, but it's like it, none of the ingredients looked like they were really prepped all that well either. Like most of it looks like it could have <laughs> been from leftovers, you know? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so the first time I went to Freebirds, I just didn't do a good job of building my burrito because they gave me too many choices. And I was like, yeah, that could, that looks right. Yeah, let's do this. And so once I learned how to order a burrito from Freebirds, yeah, they're super good. Have but Have you been to Mission Hills Burrito? No, I don't know what that is. I have. Dude, it, it, King, mm-hmm. it wins. H- hang on. Have you had a quesarito at Chipotle? <laughs> Fucking game over, dude. Do you know what white people Mexican food? You know what a quesarito is? <laughs> I'm listening. Okay, so yeah. Yeah. You, you gotta they go. They do it at Freebirds too. Well, fuck that. <laughs> so you gotta, go, of God. you gotta go in the middle of the of the day when it's not busy because it takes an extra minute for them to do this. But so they take someone who does it well. Will that do was it with him knocking on the desk with two tortillas, yeah. right? <laughs> Sorry. So they they set up the two tortillas. They basically make a giant quesadilla first. And then they make your burrito out of this quesadilla. And so when you bite into it, it's like this crispy outside of the of the tortilla that's been cooked for a, a long time in the in the tortilla press to get it to get all the cheese to melt on the inside. 
and then every bite you take, you just have this delicious, cheesy gooiness <laughs> erupting oh in your mouth between these two <laughs> layers of crispy, hot tortilla. That I can only wonderful. get Dude, so hard. so good. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry I know you're close, so I'll keep going. And then you get the... Uh, <laughs> No, but dude, <laughs> super super delicious. But aren't uh, your kids listening? <laughs> they are. Your wife posted. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Hopefully, te- the volume is turned she, she down. She texted me. We were watching you. How How old are your kids? Three and six. Oh, yep. What are their names? Sorry, mom. Allison and James. Hi, Allison and James. What's up, kids? <laughs> um, go to bed. It's past your bedtime. It is past their bedtime. Your dad loves you. Um, so, hang on. Mission Hills. Burrito. No more burritos. I was talking something. Oh, uh, <laughs> the importance of. Or not the importance, but the benefit you had of coming into skydiving with some humility and of knowing, yes. like, yeah, there are people who think that they're super good at this, and then they realize that they were wrong to think that, that there's a much broader skill set to be to be developed in, in skydiving. Mm-hmm. When I first started jumping, I didn't realize that skydiving was a sport. A sport. I thought it was an activity yeah. of, like, yeah, you jump out of an airplane, you have this crazy adrenaline rush, it feels like you're plummeting towards your death, and then, boom, a parachute opens. Cool, let's do it again. Yep. That's what I thought it was. And, like, flips and shit, I was totally flips and shit guy. Fuck yes. Like, I loved that shit. That's my favorite. Yeah, flow being <laughs> the instructor. <laughs> but, no, I could do flips on a trampoline, you know? So I was like, yeah, you want me to do that on an airplane? I got a full minute to fucking do as many flips as I can <laughs> I flip. I don't have to worry about hitting Yeah, anything? dude. I'm the best guy ever the world's ever fucking known. Check out <laughs> these flips, bro. And, uh, yeah, that lasted until I had, like, 50, 50 jumps or something. I was just doing solos. Started started trying to learn how to sit fly. Did everything that I would hate someone to do. All of that shit. Because no one told me not to. Like, there was very little guidance after getting... It was a seven-jump AFF progression. Once uh, once you did your seven jumps... We, we, we were learning on ripcord then. So you did your seven jumps, did a few more uh, solos, and then they do a transition jump where they pull, pull you off of a spring-loaded ripcord and put you on a throw-out pilot chute. And so that was like the eighth student jump. And then it was just like, yeah, go do it. You're a skydiver now. Go do whatever you want. (laughs) And so there wasn't anyone saying, hey, now you can start to learn how to skydive. And uh, I think that's a huge benefit of like the the mentor program of like, hey, man, you got your 25 jumps. Now we can start to teach you how to do this. You teach you how to be good at it. Not like, hey, you got your license. Go do it. You're the guy. Like no one told me I wasn't the guy. You know, and I think that it take it took me quite a while to realize, like, oh, this this is totally different than what I thought it was because there was such little guidance. I think it, the the yeah. thing that caught me off guard the most about the coach course when I took it, you know, growing up at Spaceland, uh, only skydiving at Spaceland, I took the coach course. I got my coach rating at 199 jumps. Mm-hmm. I remember TJ screwing with me, saying he was going to fail me for once, just so I got my coach rating on my 200th jump. Uh, but the, the big thing that shocked me was how little jumps it takes to just move on to a coach who might just have 100 jumps. Mm-hmm. Somebody that has like seven skydives in a traditional progression or uh, I can't remember now. I'm, it's been so long since I jumped, but uh, a static line progression. You might jump with someone that has 100 jumps and only done, I think it's two clear impulse. Is that right, DJ? Um I'm sorry, I'm fixing the problem you sent me. Yeah, I'm on, not a on a static line progression to go to a coach. Uh, how no, many clear and pulls uh, is it? Uh, one successful clear and pull. One clear and pull. How many yeah. total jumps, like minimum, was that? I can't remember. Uh, two static line, three dummy, six. So jump number seven, a coach can start supervising. Okay, so yeah, that that was it then. Like coach number ju- seven, this guy's never been in free fall. 
only done one clearing pole. It's all been static line. And you're jumping with someone that has a hundred jumps responsible for you. Mm -hmm. Like that just <laughs> blew my mind <laughs> having come from, uh, okay, I do this STP. I'm jumping with an instructor for, uh, like 18, 18 jumps, yeah. uh, jumping with a coach. And then I did mentor jumps all the way up until a hundred jumps. Every single jump was a mentor jump. And then I was like, okay, I kind of feel confident to jump with fun jumpers uh, to go into the coach course like, okay, here, here's this guy. Pretend DJ was my student. Pretend DJ has seven jumps and has done one successful clear and pull. Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'm supposed to be responsible yeah. for hey, that person? Hey, dummy, go chase this idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, do you uh, – 96 jumps, you said? 92. 92. All right, so have you had that moment of like, man, skydiving's hard. I'm not good at it. Yeah, actually. Um, it's a post on the Facebook page now. Okay, I couldn't find it on Facebook. Hey, just you know what? There. You guys don't have to say that shit on the microphone. So I'm trying to find uh, the no, link for the Gravity care. Lab jerseys. <laughs> so oh, I got you. <laughs> so uh, uh, some of the stuff that you said in that, la in that last bit was, um, that's one of the things that I really loved about Spaceland was just the from what I saw on the, on the Facebook or, you know, on their website. And then even listening to you guys, it's the, the climate of safety. Like, no, oh, I just do whatever the fuck I want. Cause nobody told me I can't do it. Like the climate of safety. Cause I've had friends that are like, you have kids. Why are you skydiving? Like it's pretty goddamn safe. If you're going to safe places, like you can go to sketch places and do some sketchy shit, but you go to places that promote safety like there's a way to do it safely that I'm not going out risking my life and leaving my children fatherless. Like that's one of the reasons that I liked, I liked space line a lot. And then, um, yeah. So what you said is, is like, wow, this is actually kind of hard. It got real for me real quick. That's and what she said. <laughs> it was, I mean, I'll say either our first or second day of jumping. Cause we only had two days of jumping together all day, but, uh, Hank, there was, um, the amount, the, the, the possibility for things to happen kind of hit me pretty quickly, uh, with Hank. Cause so there was, there was one jump that I did. It was like, uh, one of the er first ones where you work on tracking. Mm -hmm. So we go to take off or, you know, we go to break off, whatever I go to track. He's watching me. So I go to track, I start tracking. And then I realize I forgot to check my altimeter before I started tracking. So I stopped for a second, checked around. Okay, cool. I still got time. Went back into a track. And then Hank, on all, of, on all of our jumps, as soon as he deployed, you see him go up on his camera, like either a thumbs up or a good to go. Or a, on this jump, on, when, he, when he deployed, you see him go up to his camera and he goes like this. <laughs> you got the, the naughty, naughty finger? Like, Fuck. So he got <laughs> on the ground. And he's telling me, he's like, you get one track. He's like, you don't get to track and then stop and then track again. I was like, why? And I told him the same thing. I was like, well, you know, not trying to excuses because I, I fucking hate that when you try to tell somebody they did wrong well oh well I did this because this I was like well I started tracking realized I didn't check my altimeter so I stopped to check it real quick and then realized I had altitude and kept going he's like yeah but in the time that you checked it and then went going then by the time you stopped again and deployed you were low I was like okay you know to me at, at that at that level I was like okay so I'm low I'm a little low like I'm not that low I'm a little low he's like yeah but if you're low I'm lower I was like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Because he told me early on, he's like, I will die for you to save you during these jumps. He's like, but please don't make me die for something fucking stupid. 
Hey, like, John. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a Hank line. If I was your instructor, I would not die for you. You will die alone. <laughs> I would save my life. <laughs> so, but so, but, but what I'm saying, no is friends under two grand, isn't that the rule? Two five, two under five. two five, you're a stranger. The way I'm saying, right. it got real, this real is why fast. You check the Cypress is because that that <laughs> jump. He's like, you went low, which put me low. I was like, okay, I understand. You went a little low. It was either two or three jumps after that, where he had had something. I don't remember. You'd have to ask him it, his kill line. Broke kill line, yeah. or something, and he went into a real bad line twist. And, uh, yeah, so he's he's line twist. And, I mean, you know, when you're above, when you're under canopy and you're looking at down someone lower than you, it's really hard to judge yeah. how yeah. close they, they are like to the ground. Real, real he's going to die. So I'm looking. I, I Oh, God, I killed him. I, I just, just told him I wasn't going to do that. I just deployed. <laughs> I get under canopy, and I look down, and I see Hank just spiraling. Just <laughs> like, and you see him kicking trying to fight this line twist and then and he got out of it landed fine and we got down and i was like what the fuck happened and he's like oh i had something break whatever put me in line twist no big deal and i was like okay yeah no big deal but what if that happened two jumps ago when i put you low and you don't have the altitude to fight it like that was the point where i was like this shit's real like i could hurt somebody if i don't make good choices yeah i think that's definitely a good realization to have of realizing that uh in skydiving, you know, it's even though there are disciplines in skydiving where it's like not a team sport, it's very much an individual activity, but we're all still sharing that same same sky together. Yeah. If someone else is on your jump, you know, you kinda come responsible for uh making sure you guys are both in a in a good spot. But uh I bet you had like a toggle fire or something. Maybe like one of the brakes release, line twists, diving. Can DJ can me you imagine or, me or him? No, uh, what what I'm just imagining oh. what caused Hank's spinning line I, twist. It, it, it was could, could you imagine a broken kill line causing line twists? I wouldn't think that that would be the result. I, I don't remember something <sighs> broke and, and I remember he was I've, in a pretty bad twist. I've broken a kill line and didn't realize until got landing. Yeah, because I mean a, a kill line, the kill line on a sky on a normal rig, not a tandem rig. Uh, collapses after bag strip, so the canopy yeah. is. I mean, you're at line extension now. The bag is the, the canopy is out of the bag, so the canopy is more dragged than the pilot chute is at this point. Right. So with an inflated pilot chute, it's not really fucking your game up through opening. Yeah, right? yeah. It might affect how your wing flies when you're flying like a Valkyrie loaded the way you are. As a matter of fact, I I heard you shouldn't try that. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna try it, but I heard the wing really gets a extremely hindered performance. Um, but I don't remember specifically yeah. what it was. I just remember looking down at him and he's violently spinning and it looked like he looked real fucking low. His right boob hangs looking. lower than his left boob. It kind of <laughs> gives him like loads his harness up a little Why are you bit. So mean to Why are you so mean? Did I say boob? Yeah, you did. You uh, did. I meant testicle. Testicle. That was it. There we go. He's got um, big man, balls. I got I've big balls. Heard, <laughs> I've heard him proclaim that himself. Um, Holy shit. Oh, man. Uh, uh, Jay Daniel uh, runs the... the have you eaten at, at the deli? At the the cafe? Landing Point Cafe? Every yeah, yeah. time I'm there. God damn. So uh, we're doing the film night coming up, movie <laughs> night. Are you going to show up to movie night? What's, what's movie night? Uh, the 26th, I believe, Saturday night. Possibly. We're going to be showing uh, Drop Zone. And then uh, the Lion King's going to play for, <laughs> for all the ladies. No. Late day matinee. <laughs> we're going to have for the ladies and Jimmy Wynn, Lion King. Um, it is the 26th. But he is going to be open. Uh, Landing Point Cafe is going to be open late. So for everybody going to hang out, show up. He did this for us last time. He's going to do it for us again. 
except this time he's going to offer a barbecue, a barbecue rib, baby back rib dinner. Um, pre-orders only. We're going to release the menu this week. We're going to uh, finalize the menu in the next couple of days. We'll throw it out online. And uh, if you want, the pre-order is like a week ahead of time because he's got to order this stuff. Uh, pre-order, pre-buy. So uh, Landing Point's going to be throwing a little baby back rib, I think, is what the uh, entree on the menu is going to be. So keep an eye out. We're going to release it. We're going to post it. We're going to throw it up there. Check it out. Um, dude, I'm Val and I are ordering baby back ribs that night. We're in. So Oh, that reminds me. i got to come out tomorrow and get my rig repacked. Come out tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I had to do that Kay. last weekend. Would, would one of y'all grab it out of my locker and take it up there for me? If you <laughs> send, me, <laughs> if you send me, me a text. Yeah, send All me right. a text. I'll, oh, I'll no, send it to him. I'm canopy course tomorrow. I'm okay. I'll, I'll forget if you don't remind me, but if you remind me, it's no problem. Yeah. Um. Crap, I was going to ask you a really smart question, but it was for me, so it's not that smart. What were you I, saying? I have no idea what we were just talking One about. One of the other things that was early on that I that I wanted to say that was funny was that when my wife bought me that first tandem... I went and did it, and my dad had texted me, and he's like, please, hey, just just don't make this a hobby. <laughs> I, was like, well, I was like, what do you mean, don't make it a hobby? He's like, just don't start jumping all the time for fun. I was like, why not? And he's like, I don't want to worry about you. I was like, you realize I'm in the military, and my job is to take a dog and go look for bombs on purpose. He's like, yeah, but I was like, my job is way more dangerous <laughs> than Yeah, but skydiving. Yeah, but skydiving. Yeah. So wait, I, there's I, I don't. I, sorry, I don't think we talked about what branch of the military you served in. Air Force. Okay, all right. I don't think we got that out. Um, no, we didn't. The uh, one thing I don't know is true. Have you seen this post, this information online? And I'm trying to find out if it's true because I barely looked into it. There is a dog who's licensed to skydive by himself. I Does saw the know face, what? I saw the Facebook article. What? I clicked on it. I don't. I think it was one of those. Um, it's like uh, it's like a military jump where the dog's done enough military jumps that a person with that many skydives would be. So it's licensed. an honorary license. I, th- I believe so. But so that's the thing I was trying to I figure out. Was correct. it an honorary license? Because those happen. I'm pretty sure. And I'm down for that. I'm okay. Uh, George Bush actually has honorary D license. Um, uh, it was honorary D. The D stands for. Never mind. <laughs> it stands for Mr. P. I was going to say is that D's for dead guy. Dude, uh, he recently became oh, one. Oh, but oh. that's poor taste. <laughs> <laughs> After our last LMB feed, uh, Cola and I were communicating about the winners. And she's like, hey, so what's Mr. P stand for? And I straight up answered her, Mr. Penis. <laughs> I didn't say anything <laughs> else. No explanation. <laughs> and she's like, I regret asking. <laughs> and I told her, we'll have dinner and, and tell stories. Um, I'm sure one night we'll we'll do a dinner with the L and B crowd, and uh, you'll have to tell Cola the rest of the Mr. Penis because sure. she's she's now like, I think perplexed. I mean, and it's lost. not that long of a story, really. No, it's oh. not. But, but. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> it's, that one took me a little second oh, to get that, it. I, that that I, was <laughs> that was completely <laughs> pun not intended. That was oh, a really man. good catch. That was good. But I was thinking about a that quick was burrito. Statement you is quick. is accurate. <laughs> But literally, it is not a, sh- a long story, <laughs> and uh, the retelling of the story, yeah, also not long. Yeah, we were t- we were doing a lot of other shit. So I'm like, yeah, I just asked Nick over dinner. Ow, <laughs> that was funny. I, <laughs> yes. I got in, I got in on that on that live feed, hoping to win a, a Aries and a Pro Track. Man, I didn't win. It, you didn't. No. It's uh, so buy a Pro Track now. Yeah, I'm so Pro Track too. I'm sorry, man. We are going to uh, be doing that giveaway four times a year. Every three months, we're giving, we're doing a giveaway. 
Uh, every month we may or may not do a giveaway. It just depends on what I have available. Like this month I might have an extra hat or two still, so I might be doing giveaways for hats. Maybe, maybe. Um, but uh, December, March, I think is the next one. Yeah, March. E every three months we'll be doing that giveaway. So we'll see. Um, now you're rounding out 100 jumps. The, the, the luster is kind of wearing off as far as you, you start seeing the downsides. You start, I think there was a, th a day where you had to be at the drop zone every day, and now you're like, I'm picking and choosing my days. What the, how, where's this mindset flip? What's, tell me that. Kind of get. Just realism, I guess, because, I mean, I've, I've got kids, and I have an amazing, wonderful wife who, when I start to just be sitting at the house, just, just itching, and there, there's days where she's like, go. Go, go, what? What do you mean? Go, go to the drop zone. Go fucking jump out of an airplane. I mean, you you're know driving what, me crazy. What she here. means when you say go. You're playing stupid for a second, and, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, but like, she needs to explicitly give me permission. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, but no, it's just like, I mean, weather. It's it's Texas, but it's still wintertime. So the winds are, are fucky. And I've had enough of listening to this and talking to people at the drop zone. And like, I've been sitting. I've, I drove, so it's three and a half hours for me to get here from, from San Antonio. I've driven out, gone up on two jumps, and then the winds spike up, and I'm just sitting there. And it's when you can look over and see all the, uh, the new shiny people, the people that have 26 jumps and that are just like, can we go now? Can we go now? Can we go now? And I'm looking at all the super experienced people sitting on the bleachers like, yeah, we'll see. I guess we'll wait. When the super experienced people sit the fuck down, that's when I'm sitting the fuck down. Because I've heard more than once that I would rather be on the ground wishing I was in the sky than in the sky wishing I was on the fucking ground. Yeah, it's a very common cliche, but when you really have that moment of like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't be up here right now, you, you know exactly what people mean with that statement. I had a jump early on in um, on, a, on, a, on a larger canopy that I got out, I got opened, I oriented myself to the wind and I turned into the wind and I looked down and I was going backwards. I was like, okay, cool. This is going to be, I'm looking at my altimeter. I'm looking at my altimeter, looking at the ground, altimeter, ground, doing a little bit of a blind man up high just <laughs> to kind of look behind myself to see where the fuck I'm going. And then, I mean, the stars aligned, luck, luck favored me and I was able to hit, uh, it was uh, coming from the north. So southbound, downwind leg, base landing north again and i was able to i hit the berm at 900 feet and was like boop cool 180 right into my pattern and managed to land just fine but yeah getting pushed backwards is a scary kind of thing and i've been in the in the loading area on a five minute call and uh steph has walked out and like hey the wind just spiked back up to 25 just i mean i know you guys are all badasses and and want to jump but <laughs> and she looked at me she's like just so you know She's like, I know your wing load. You will be going backwards when you land. So get ready to PLF. And I was like, all right, guys, I'm going to go pull off this load. You have fun. I'll, I'll see you later. And half the load went. Half of us backed off. And I watched some of those people's landings. And I'm like, I'm glad I'm sitting here waiting rather than, than being up there. I, I want to move this back to you last. So I want to start with Justin. Have you ever been on a jump? Have you ever been in the sky where you thought, hey, man, I want to be on the ground right now, not in the sky? I have, yes. Um, there was one where when I was still on my first canopy, which was uh, Pulse 210, yeah, um, where 
the the winds were iffy pretty much all day long. Uh, then they settled down nicely to where I was like, okay, I feel comfortable now. Uh, but <coughs> I the the communication I guess didn't happen or it wasn't there. Nowadays it's a lot different when we're on jump run or before we get on jump run, the pilot will say, hey, we, we just got a call from the ground. The the winds have spiked, but <clears throat> on this particular one I'm thinking of. Uh, the winds went back up to where they were, and I was uh, I was in my pattern, and clearly going backwards, very clearly going backwards, and it was it. There's really, I mean, there's some techniques that you can do, but there wasn't much I could do. It's sometimes those techniques can be anything you want. I have had two really distinct opportunities where I said I really wish I wanted to be back on the ground, and one of them I was on a tandem, and we were at maybe three grand it was a really buildy super towery really nasty looking day where we're flying between storms and stuff this is in uh uh south indiana and the tornado warning alarms go off and i ship my drawers dude I, I, the <laughs> skies around me look horrible everything's atrocious i completely <laughs> like oh my god immediately realize wait a minute look down to the guy in front of me hey what time is it it's one o'clock are you from ohio or from Indiana. We're, we're close to the border. Ohio is Eastern time zone. Indiana Central time zone from Ohio. That's just the new test alarms. Okay, we're good to go. So that was no oh, big deal. Okay. That worked out. The other time, uh, my video guy landed in zero winds. I landed in 35 gusting to 40 on a tandem. Jesus. So as a tandem, I am hauling ass backwards. Um, if you're familiar with Spaceland Houston, I'm in the southwest corner facing due southwest so I'm, I'm at the rochevron over the ghetto facing towards the real ghetto and i am going backwards to the northeast corner of the drop zone and they caught me two-thirds of the way in through the field the, the runners the catchers were running before i got to them so as i uh, so as it, they basically caught up to me kind of thing or i caught up to them uh, and i dude wished i was on the ground have you ever been there my very first experience with this feeling, I was at a boogie in uh, Mesquite, Nevada, which uh, as happens every January. There's not typically skydiving in Utah in, in January because of the snows, the weather. So uh, you either get lucky and you get a slot on the caravan, and you fly the the caravan from Skydive Ogden down to Skydive Mesquite, or you drive the five hours that it takes to get there. <laughs> and so I had driven five hours to get there, and I was going to skydive, you know? And uh, there, this uh, drop zone is not really close to the to the bottom of this canyon. But when the winds pick up out of the canyon, it really just it, mo it moves the wind everywhere. And we had made a couple of jumps, and then the winds had really picked up. And I just thought that, yeah, the, I get that the winds are stronger. I remember having this thought. So we had our jump, whatever. I opened my canopy, and I'm kind of flying where I where I normally fly, and. Uh, I remember like starting uh, my downwind, and uh, like my my holding area, I was pretty much in the right spot. And then I went on my downwind, and all of a sudden, I was super far off of the landing area all altogether. Like they have a, it's a not not small, but it's not a giant landing area, and it's it's all gravel. But my downwind took me way past the landing area. This is on a municipal airport, so there are airplanes and everything out on the on the tarmac so mm. if you get drug you're either either getting drug right into a, a hangar or right into an airplane <laughs> and so i'm f i'm looking down at all these hangars and all these airplanes and thinking about how badly i don't want to hit them and i'm on a spectre 135 
and I weighed uh, 120 pounds at the time. And what do you weigh today? 145 is pretty normal. Tubby. Such a <laughs> such a little chunkster. I did get up to 153. I think that's the heaviest I've ever been. Anyway, um, luckily they knew that there were some people on this load that w- weren't supposed to be. They were basically catchers for for sport canopies. And luckily for me, there was a guy standing. I mean, he was running to me as I was as I was landing, and I barely got to the edge of their their the gravel landing area, right where it meets up to the to the tarmac. Immediately started getting blown back onto the tarmac, and luckily this guy had had grabbed a, a toggle and was helping me collapse my parachute. Otherwise, I would have I would have either run into something, or run and fallen and and been drugged across the tarmac. But uh, I remember that that moment of when I turned on to final and was totally not where I intended to be, and my parachute wasn't doing what I what it what it normally does. It's like, yeah, I fucked up. I shouldn't have been on this airplane. Why didn't anyone? Why wasn't anyone clearer to me about the, how bad of a, a decision this was? Before I ask you that same question, you're in Nick's situation. You're getting drugged by your parachute in high winds, but you're getting drugged at a running airplane. The props are spinning. What are you gonna do? Um, getting drugged. I'm gonna try and fucking pop that RSL and cut away. I love it. The thing is, is people don't have that answer. I, I thought you would have a quick answer. I was not trying to put you on the spot. Um, and I love that you have the right answer. It, it's drill these things, think these things, go over these things, because you don't have time to think about that shit when it happens. And the fact that you're able to, like, dude, I'm. You kind of gave me a dull look, and I appreciate that. I, I was like wait. That. I was. I was trying to think if it was a trick question or not. I'm like, is he fucking no. with me right now? I'm trying to. No, I really. I, about I really to start reaching up like. I was hoping <laughs> I was setting up a t ball for you, but yeah. some of our friends won't do that, right? Yeah. Um, so j- you just, man, think about and drill these ideas. And I think one of the things that you've done is you've thought about this. So quick question, is disconnecting the RSL that important? Yeah. Why? Because if, if I have an RSL connected and I'm getting drug across the ground and I pull that cutaway handle, my main canopy is going to keep getting on, dra- keep dragging on, but that RSL is going to pull that reserve out too. Then what happens? Then you can't <laughs> cut away a reserve. But is the reserve really going to inflate? You're going to keep on dragging. Is it really? It could. So the argument for many, many years is it didn't matter, and I, I'm going to kind of side topic this while I'll talk about it. I feel like if the winds are strong enough to be dragging my ass across the ground, they're strong enough to catch that canopy. Chances are if the winds are strong enough to be dragging you across the ground, they're not strong enough to inflate your pilot chute. We're probably not in strong enough wind. So if it's just a straight RSL system, chances are it's just going to make your container fall open and you're going to have to carry a more difficult mess inside. That That is all. Oh. With the modern MARDs, with the main activated reserve deployments, the Skyhook, the Mojo, the Ace, uh, the Trap, the Boost, there's so many fucking names out there. Um, it is a very realistic chance. We've actually seen jumpers extend a line stretch and the actual main pull the reserve all the way out and inflate the reserve. And you're right. You can't cut away. So uh, your answer in the first place was right. It has become today more important than it used to be. Okay. A lot of us instructors used to teach it's not as important. Go ahead. And really, it isn't as important. Go ahead and just get re- chop. If all, in, all it fails, chop. Just, just get that off. Try your RSL twice and then chop. But today, for those of us who've been around long enough, it, it's more important that we recognize the RSL does need to come off with the Mards being on almost every major rig on the market now. Um, so I feel like in that particular scenario, it's very important. That, like If you're talking about going towards an aircraft, oh, yeah, if yeah. your main's getting sucked in an aircraft, like Dude. that's your only shots to get rid of that RSL. Bad day right there, man. So on the sky, in the sky wishing I was on the ground, have you had it yet? 
Uh, yeah, kinda. Uh, so I went up for the the Dead Man Boogie they had at Lone Star. I went out there just because my my buddy was out there, and I have never ju- I've never gotten a jump a sky van. I really wanted to jump yeah. a sky van. They had a sky van out there. Oh, I miss it was, a sky van. It was it was late in the day. I actually had the top button press and turn on the backlight on my Vizo because I couldn't see it. It was that much of a sunset l- jump. Sunset jump. Like the sun was gone. It was a night. It was Calm a night sunset. Jump. <laughs> yeah, sunset. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a goddamn night yeah. jump. Um, but there was like four of us on the plane, and they sent it. They sent it anyway. So we went up. And uh, we that's because the plane was broke down earlier. We had we had a fun little jump. Silly, still gonna send it. It was like four of us. Um, So I get under canopy, and uh, we we pulled pretty high. I think we pulled at like five grand, just because it was like there's fucking three of us. Like we fucked off in the sky for a little bit. Like let's just pull. Let's pull. We talked about on the way up. Like uh, me and my buddy had a had a fun little two way planned, and there was this other guy up there by himself, and just sitting there looking on the other side of the plane, just looking all sullen and shit, like. Do you want to come jump with us, man? Like, what are you? What are you trying to do? You want to come jump with us? So we we kind of did an impromptu three way, and we just got, we we played. But anyway, we pulled it like five grand, got under the canopy, and was kind of just flying around. And I was like, okay, this is a. I had only jumped. It was at Lone Star, so I I had only jumped there, my two tandems, and one other fun jump, and that one fun jump, didn't go super well anyway, because it was like jump 27, 20, something like that. It was um. It was a two-way with a buddy of mine. We we never even got together because they were they were flying a 182 that weekend because the King Air was out for maintenance, so we only got like eight grand in the first place. So who blamed who when you guys couldn't get together? Oh, we both were aware that it was. Oh, you both it owned both it. Both of us, yeah. Man, are you sure he, you're skydiving? He had like he had like 40 <laughs> jumps and I had like 30. So who was it? Was Anybody a, we know? No, nobody, there, okay. no, nobody you know. Um. Oh, anyway, so I, it's never so really you're open by five grand. Uh, yeah, un, not, un, not super familiar with the area. Not super familiar with the area. It was super dark out, and uh, I so I was following my other buddy in, who's he's pretty reasonable. Uh, Gary, you know Gary. Yeah, yeah, Gary Elbrecht. I was following. I was following Gary. Have you seen this dude's blowtorch? <laughs> His fucking flamethrower. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I've heard about it. Oh my god. Is this god. what the video of Rob and uh, yeah. Felicia? Yeah, so if you've seen Elon Musk's flamethrower, it's a fucking roofing torch, legitimate roofing torch. So it shows a flame out, you know, like a few feet. No, this Gary's motherfucker is, like is a thirty-foot flame. Yeah, it's like let's go to Vietnam and burn out the Vietnam. Smells like yeah. napalm. Yeah, it's it's legit, dude. Um. Anyway, so I'm following Gary in for the pattern. I'm a little bit higher than him. I'm I'm a, he's got he's on a 189. I'm on a 210. So he's going a little bit faster than I am. So I'm following him in, and he's just. The landing area is here. We're trying to land this way. He's still going this way. And I'm like, damn, bro, where the fuck are you going? Like, you're over the highway now. Where's your way the fuck out there? So I, I turned too early because I was like, I'm not comfortable going that far away from the land. It's a very small landing area. So you have to be way the hell out there to come in and get there. But I turned too early because I was too nervous to go that far away and ended up on base way too high. Ended up coming out. Did kind of a little out and then hook back in to final. And I was still way too high. And I'm coming down and I'm coming literally like I tried to do the little the destination point, the, the, the destination point trick where nothing's rising or falling. And it was right at the tarmac. I was like, OK, cool. I'll, I'll land on the tarmac. And I just happened to look over and the sky van's taxiing down the fucking runway. I'm like, oh, oh shit. fuck. Like, what am I going to do? Do I run into this airplane? I'm on final. I'm below 200 feet at this point. 
So I, I, I went to quarter breaks and then just freaking pushed left down right up a little bit. I did a flat turn. You thought about I, that I, Chinese I, student in that moment, didn't you? <laughs> that's right. I actually didn't. I thought about my body getting torn up by twin yeah, propellers. That on seems a, like a more a immediate again. thought. Yeah. Hank, uh, Hank was talking in your subconscious at that yeah. moment. <laughs> so I did a, I did, I did a, I did a low, I did a really low ninety degree turn, but I did a flat turn and just kind of carved it over enough to where I was like, okay, now I'm not gonna run in a plane. <laughs> Let this one up. Went in, punched a little harder because. You know, flaring, I like how you're turning from the chair at the same time. By the way, that's <laughs> flaring, a nice way. Add to the story. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta go. You know, harder. So I, I, I planed it out nice. I flared nice and landed in about. I mean, I think it was eight, ten inches of water, like right next to the runway, because it was, it was sunk in there. Um, and it was just, it was one of those. Uh, not usually too worried about like oh what are the other people going to think but i'm like mm-hmm. there's fucking three of us in the sky i know everybody on the ground is watching like what's this idiot doing doing mm-hmm. a low turn and uh my wife was actually there with with the kids playing on the ground and and she was watching me and all these she said that there was all these people like watching me like oh what the fuck is he doing he's turning too low and she's like yeah, that's do you want what, him to run into the airplane like no well i mean she's so she listens to me talk about the stuff that you guys talk about and she listens she listens when I talk to her because uh, I'll, I'll try to tell her something. She's like, she's yeah, not a I remember from the last time you told me that. I remember <laughs> you telling me that. Because um, that black eye is already healed. So <laughs> <laughs> no, tr- trust me. If it got down a blow, she'd whoop my ass. <laughs> she's, she's a tough little thing. Um, but no, like she's like sitting there on the ground like, why is she turning so low? She's like, do you want him to fucking run in front of the airplane? Is that what, is that what you want him to do? Like he's doing a flat turn. Like That's cool. <laughs> and uh, So yeah, so I was able to to carve like a nice 90 degree flat turn to land opposite the airplane. And as soon as I hit the ground, I took a knee. So the plane coming down would know that I, I knew that he was there and I was trying to avoid him. I'm and, stupid, uh, but not a dumbass. Yeah. Right? I saw that, that photo series of that yeah. guy that the, the Cessna caught his God, canopy I can't and believe he went oh my God, and yeah. over and the plane oh. crashed. And yeah. I don't think <laughs> the sky van would crash because of me. I think it would just tear my ass yeah. up. And, I don't think um, it would give a fuck. Dude, it's a, a um there's been a few jumpers killed by planes and uh man, God bless his heart, a uh, very well known at the time videographer, uh particularly in the RW scene named Gus Wing, uh had a collision with a wing of an otter on final. And you now when you get to those bigger planes they, they lose a lot less than that little Cessna did. Yeah. Um, so, it, like, one of the things you mentioned, uh, it brings me to a question or a thought process. You said when you went to do your brake turn, you pulled down on one and you let up a little bit on the other, right? Mm-hmm. So my first question is, why did you choose a brake turn? Because I wanted to lose as... I wanted to get as much of a direction change as I could with as little altitude loss as I could. So I you wanted to lose as least altitude as possible. I knew I was super low. I was on final. Uh-huh. I was... Under 200 feet, I knew yeah. I wanted to get 90 degrees out of it without diving at the ground. Perfect. Are you sure you only have 100 jumps? Great answer. But so here's my next <laughs> like question. Like every one of your answers and is I, like I you lo- have 1,000. I love this. You've done the right thing. So, But my next question, and this is something I see in the sport regularly, not somebody indicative of 100, but indicative of people with 1,000 jumps. Why did you let the other hand up? If you want to do a brake turn and you want to conserve as much altitude as possible, if one hand goes down and the other hand remains stationary, are you still going to turn? Yeah. If you let the other hand up, in this case we're talking about our right hand goes up, now the right side of the canopy starts to dive more. It might not dive as much as it could back to full flight, 
but chances are is it going to dive more than it would have in a brake position. Yes. So the thing I see a lot of people do, they're called differential or dynamic brake turns where one goes up, one comes down. There's nothing wrong with them. But when you're at that point of ultimate conservation of altitude, why let up at all in most cases? Because I think in that moment, I know I've because I've done it in STP and I've done it in the canopy course and I've done it in practice jumps. I know I can flare from here just fine. Yes, I was. I'm not worried about flaring from here. I'm worried about running in front of that that taxi and sky van with its giant rotary knives on the front of it. You'll still get the directional change. Yes. And so really, I don't think you did the wrong thing. I think you knew what you were doing. You and I, you and I have worked together. I, I, I think you make pretty good decisions. It's more of a generally, uh, it's more of a general ultimate question to, to skydivers, period. Um, in, in your direct case, number one, you still would have changed the direction. You still would have gone and, and, and not hit the sky van. Number one, because you still would have changed directions. Number two, you would have conserved more altitude, so you would have had less time to hit the sky van, but also more time to contend with a better flare. I also, I also think, I mean, memory is very subjective and hazy often, but I think I was down here, and I, I was not turning as fast as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. So I kind of bumped that one up a little bit to accelerate the turn some, so knowing that I could flare from there. And this all works, and I'm sorry to, to argue and, and get a little uh, combative with it, but so now if you want to turn more, then add more. What you're doing, and ultimately with the positions you're showing me, you might have been using a different position. Potentially. But this is very true. I see it in skydiving all the time. I, I video a lot of people under canopy. When a lot of people let up with their high hand, they commonly go to about ear level. What flight mode am I in when my hands are about ear level? Quarter break? Full flight. Full flight? When does slack come out of brake lines with most canopies, modern canopies, and trim? Around ear to top of your head level. Okay. So, uh, you know, we, with what Nick and I fly, we fly a very stable line type, Vectran HMA. It's dimensionally stable. It doesn't change. Most canopies in tune, uh, the way it's designed, around your ears, maybe the top of your head is where slack comes out. Yeah. And we forget that, and, and not only do we forget that so much so that instructors commonly teach ears is quarter break. No, it's not. As I, I know actually a canopy coach who teaches, hey, look, slack comes out of your ears. And the next section he goes, hey, look, ear is quarter breaks. Is it really? Or is that just getting slack out? <laughs> so, again, it's not something that you just bring up a good conversation I want people to think about, and, and including ourselves. Letting up to ear level is only letting, is letting back up the full flight. Um, if your canopy is out of trim, which is possible with, with um, Spectra or Microline, um, then you're still in a brake mode, but still treat it as quarter brake. Still treat it as full flight because I, I'd rather be wrong out of trim than wrong in trim. I actually had to go and have my, my brakes lengthened after the canopy course because I was at like half brakes at ear level. Mm-hmm. Like full flights up here. In, in when when you're talking about play to see how far you could get tail deflection, I was getting a full flight. Tail deflection was like here. You were one of those guys. Yeah, you didn't you're like. Yeah, I nothing. bought a used canopy, and yeah, to, this was like half brakes right here. I had to, I got them lengthened, and I was like, oh man, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Oh, That's something awesome. else jumpers don't think about that that you've thought about is you actually have to trim or tune your canopy. Uh, back to Nick, you're spoiled. When's the last time you considered the length of your brake lines after you got a canopy set up? Gosh, never. It's no, it's been a while. Actually, yeah. when I was a chaos guy, okay. I'd, I'd, I'd put about an inch and a half in into the yeah. brakes from the factory setting. But a lot of your standard canopies on the market today run Microline or da- or uh, Spectra, same thing, different different brand names, and it's they shrink over time. The brake lines shrink the most. 
So you have to actually let out the brake lines. You said, I bought a used canopy, so I had to lengthen the brake lines. A canopy's line set will last 700 plus or minus 200 jumps. The line, the brake lines about every 300 jumps should probably be lengthened. So have your uh, line and canopies inspected once a year or every 300 jumps. If you're jumping high-performance, smaller stuff, lines inspected more often will be smarter. Um, Nick, I trust you to know how to inspect your lines, but the average jumper get your rigor to do it. A more professional, or quite frankly, fucking learn how to do it yourself, dude. Um, I know how to tell if my tires are bald or not. Why don't I know how to tell if my brake lines are, are the right length? So sorry to, uh, that conversation sidetracks us a little bit. Oh, that's fine. What are you looking at over there? Getting uh-huh. all nervous about the screen? No. Yeah. I had a big realization mm-hmm. when I went from <coughs> flying my Pulse uh, to trying demoing, demoing out a bunch of canopies and eventually settling on jumping a storm for a while. Uh, the difference in taking the slack out of your lines. And I feel like a lot of that came back to the canopy course. When you... When you remember what you had to do to make the parachute do a certain thing and see the tail deflect and where you had to have that deflect is so much different, vastly different between the pulse and the, the storm. God, Justin, look at you. Fuck. I, mean, I, I love listening. Of, of all the people in the show, we, we see all these people grow. And Joel, it's been great to watch you grow. But you've become like, I, we, we've always been friends. We got along great from the beginning. But now you've become a really huge part of our lives with Gravity Up Radio. We, we all interact more. And to listen to the way you present shit now compared to the way you presented shit a year ago, bro. You're doing well for yourself, man. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but listen to you hear you teach that. Because you just got your AFF rating, what, a year ago? Yeah, just over a year. Oh, uh, September. So, yeah. yeah. And you definitely sound different with the way you carry and present <coughs> that knowledge, man. Nice job. I get a lot of people, like younger jumpers now, uh, different from when I was mentoring, but uh, people coming out of AFF, like, what canopy should I buy? Like, that kind of thing is... It's such a subjective thing, and you just have to give like the pros and cons and the differences between the things and what you're looking to do. And anyway, uh, one of the best things you can do is find out how they flare and then match. <coughs> the, I mean, yeah, uh, the opening and the flare style. Like, how do you flare, and what openings <coughs> do you like? Those two things can direct you to almost any canopy. Everything For else. So many people say the pulse flare is shitty, and I was one of those people. Yeah, if you flare uh, it like a saber. Exactly. <laughs> you have to learn how to flare it, and if you learn how to flare it. You can flare almost any other canopy. I feel like uh, the one of the the PD reps we had out here when I was tossed around the idea of jumping different types of canopies was like, "Oh, you fly a pulse? Okay, how many jumps do you have? I don't know, it was 150, whatever on the pulse." He goes, "Yeah, if you can flare that, you can jump any one of these. It's it's no problem." Who was fine. it? I'm curious. I can't remember. Can't describe him. Mm-mm. All right. Um. So now you you've gone through this first year. You've go, you've been enamored. You've actually been stupid enough to look up to some of us. Now you realize, okay, they're idiots just like me. Um, what is different about your viewpoint today a year later? Um, shoot. Bang. Yeah, way to put them on the spot, man. <laughs> what is different about my viewpoint? Gravity Lab Radio asking the hard-hitting question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, do, do you think about skydiving <laughs> differently now than you did when you first started? I do. I think, I mean, like you said, it's, it's, it's way more of a sport. Like it, it, it cracks me up going to work when I talk about like all the jumps I did this weekend or whatever. And, I'm, and I've got buddies that are like, Oh, all, all you ever talk about is skydiving. I'm like all you ever talk about is football. <laughs> At least I actually went right? skydiving this week, this weekend. Did you get drafted this weekend and not tell me? Like, yes. One of us did something. One of us watched something. Oh, you 
son of oh, a bitch. I love, I love it. Go Chargers. <laughs> but yeah, like it's there's there's way more to it than I'm. I mean, I, I'm new and and I'm I'm so excited to to grow and and do more. Like I've I I've I've heard the challenge. I'm probably not going to make 500 belly jumps, but two two or three hundred belly jumps for sure. I just I want to the the more the merrier. Let's just say. I have a no, lot. I mean, <laughs> I I know myself, and I know like I'm gonna get to that point where I'm like, God, I just want to, I just want to free fly. Like, so you do want to free fly? I mean, eventually. There, I, there I, are I wanna, a lot of. I don't are, know. I want to free fly. I want a wingsuit. I I just want to do so much. I think that there are a lot of things that affect that number. Like if someone, you know, um, do you know who Ben Roan is? He's a. I know the name. He's a he's a really know. popular tunnel coach. Him and his brother Devin are super uh, super experienced, super friendly, okay. re- really really just uh, world level tunnel flyers and coaches. Get Ben on the show. I'll get him next time. I bet I bet he'll come. Ben and Jen would be so much fun. Okay, we'll do it. I'll talk yes. to him about it. Thank you. But uh, Ben on his hundredth jump is like head down, out face carving between two different two rounds on like a on twenty way. Wow. And I mean he had hundreds and hundreds of hours of tunnel flying experience worked as a tunnel instructor before he started skydiving yeah and so it's like yeah i'm not going to hold ben to, to 200 jumps because he's got he's just got a different level of experience and i think getting i, th- I think w- i made that challenge to henry because i knew that he was he, those 500 jumps were paid for right yeah and he was definitely going to um get through those jumps as, as quickly as as quickly as you can imagine anyone doing 500 jumps and uh, I thought it would just give him a lot better base to uh, to branch out from. Yeah. But the the number of jumps that's one sort of experience, and then time in the sport is another sort of experience. Currency. That I mean, cur- currency is one thing, but just being around it enough. Like one of the reasons that you have to be you know in skydiving for three years before you become a tandem instructor is because it's going to take you some time to be exposed to these different things, these different uh, okay. scenarios. They're going to be useful to you. The knowledge is going to be useful to you later on down the road. And uh, so someone who's gotten 200 jumps and spent a few years doing it, they might not be as sharp of a flyer as the person who really just is hypercurrent and, and goes right through those those 200 jumps. But there's a different sort of experience they have of just being in the sport for longer that's going to kind of pay dividends in, in different places. Okay. But uh, I still think 200 is a pretty a pretty healthy number. I wish I would have done 200 jumps before or 200 belly jumps before or anything else, and I didn't. Do you have so you said two to three hundred? Do you have a solid number you want to put in front of yourself? Um. Yes. Uh, so I'm. So I mean, I'm. I'm leaving in November. So military. I just got orders. Okay. I'm moving to Colorado in November. My we'll goal, and you can you can tell me if this is a, is a good goal or not. I, I'm at ninety two now, but with with San Marcos being baseline now it's and a lot closer, closer to, yeah i can get out there a lot more regularly my goal before i leave in november is 200 jumps i, w- I want to hit 200 before i leave and whether or not i get to use it right away i want a coach course i just because before i leave texas and, and go up to colorado i want i want to take it from you guys um so my thank you man my first day of jumping uh with hank it was towards the end of the day. We were, we were riding up, and it was, I mean, we'd done seven, eight jumps, whatever. And and Hank Hank taps me on the shoulder, and I, and I look over at him, and he's like, seriously? He's like, go get yourself a couple hundred jumps. Come back and see me. I will make you a coach. You you have this. 
I was like, fuck yeah, this is really. I, I'm like, I don't care if he says this to all the girls. Like, it makes me feel <laughs> special right now. Like, I feel good. Um, but I'll show you on the doll where you like, can touch me. What, yeah, whether whether or not I get to actively use a coach rating right away, I just want to take the course from you guys before I have to leave. Whether or not, I mean, I'm sure it's not that big of a deal to travel back. You know, travel back down because eventually I wanna, I wanna, I wanna TI, I wanna AFFI eventually. So, your first thing you said is, tell me if it's a bad idea. It's a fucking phenomenal idea. And it's not because you want to get a coach rating. And it's not because you want to work with us. And it's, but that's all bullshit. Um, first of all, 100 jumps in the year is a very, very reasonable, very, very attainable number. Especially on your first day in skydiving, you did eight jumps, or eight or yeah, nine jumps your right? first day. Yeah. yeah. You, you, could, you could get another Week 100. Week and a half. You're good. <laughs> so, I actually, I'm, I'm still sitting on, I still have the certificate. The, uh, it was several months ago. I've been waiting to get out of the mentor program because I didn't want to burn up a bunch of mentor jumps. Uh, but I still have a certificate for a unlimited day of jumping because there was a transitions event for a... Th- it was a three-way speed star competition. Yeah, yeah. Myself, a uh, cool fucking dude named Jeff Dundas, and Miss Dundas. Nicole Black. We went and we smoked that competition, and we, we won Y'all won all the with Space Nicole? Lines. Y'all we had won. a handicap. Oh, Get, oh, no, get out of here. She is awesome. I don't care what any... Yeah. She's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm still sitting on an unlimited jump day. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, trying dude. to track down a buddy who will loan me a rig so I can just rotate rigs all day. And you can borrow one of mine. Out jumps. Um, what, no? size, what size canopy do you fly? Yeah. <laughs> you borrow Nick's. What size yeah, do you I fly? got two. If you put them both together, you might have... Maybe. <laughs> what is it? What size? You, you what won't size do you fly? What do you fly? Do I fly? Yeah. I'm on a 210. I'm ready for a 190. I have a 190. Yeah? You can borrow mine. Right on. Yeah, 100%. Boom. Yeah. Two rigs. <laughs> soul, son. Turn rigs. Yeah. Um, son of a bitch. So um, uh, the coach rating, also not a bad goal. Also a good goal. Uh, not able to use it right away may be a question. Um, at a lot of other drop zones, you see coach ratings used more than you see them used here. Yeah. Um, and of course, going into the winter season in, in um, what's that place you go to? Colorado is where it's going to be a little bit yeah. of a hindrance. Um, but I still think it's all really good goals. Um, here's why I really think it's the best idea, though. Um, you're setting fucking goals. It's not what the goals are necessarily. What is the number one reason people quit skydiving? They have nothing left Nowhere to do. Nowhere to go. That's They're bored. So if, if I could say that's one thing... The mentor program, like, holy shit, there's a mentor. Pro- it's free coaching. <laughs> I've got a buddy, the, the buddy of mine that I work with, it was like, come on, dude, get your license so we can was jump that together. Gary? No, that was not Gary. Okay. Uh, that was, I got my license before I met Gary. Um, there's another guy that I work with, really awesome dude, great friend of mine. He was like, come on, get your license so we can jump together. He had 30-something jumps, I think, when I, when I got my first tandem. Uh, Cause he came out and did a jump. He he came out and did a jump, or he was on the load with me. Like, wait know, a minute, he took the canopy jumping. course with you guys. No, no, okay, Gary. God, quit trying it. to guess. All right, just Sorry. let me tell the goddamn story. <laughs> totally, totally different. You have not you have not met this okay. person. I've met a lot of these friends from his work. He's apparently. got he's got like forty jumps now, and he's and in and thirty solos. Like Aww. all he does is solos, and and he came and he came to, he came to me one day. And he's like, dude, he's like, I'm just, I'm getting bored. He's like, I jump out, check my altimeter. He's like, I do a front flip, do a back flip, do some barrel rolls, 
check again. Is the ten pole? No. All right, let me just fucking hang out. So it's okay, cool. It's finally pole time. Like, I was like, what do you? Yeah, what that do you, would make me like, want to quit. I was like, what do you mean you're? Because he, the way he said it, like I had just done my first tandem, and he's talking about, oh, I'm bored of skydiving. I was like, how? Do, how are you bored of skydiving? That's like the coolest fucking thing I've ever done. How are you bored of it? And now that I've got some jumps, I'm like, I've done a couple of solos, and I'm like, fuck, I, I get being <laughs> bored of doing. Yeah, I think solos, solos have their place here and there, depending on what what you're working on. Here and but there. if that's your regular skydive, yeah, you're that's all you're, he's, you're missing that's all a big he's ever part. Done in solos, and and then we did that one jump together, and we couldn't get together because neither one of us were were skilled enough, and we had eight grand. So by the time we hit like six, we're just looking at each other like. This isn't if even if we get like we're making progress, but I'm like by the time we get together, it's gonna be time to turn around and fucking get the fuck away. So like, hey, let me check the hangar. See you, buddy. I just waved. Yeah, we we just like waved at each other and turned and tracked off and pulled away. Um, well, at least you weren't like I'm ready for solo free fly. And, and again, that's <laughs> at least one you of the one things. Of those that's guys. one of the things this show has done for me. Like, oh, I'm solo solo free fly. Fucking heads down, bro. Like. <laughs> Let's do I, this. I already know that that's not the, the progression yeah, to that, go. But that guy's still out there. You want to What could possibly go wrong? Do you hear it in the loading area and laugh because you think of us? Yes, <laughs> I do. Like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, solo free fly? I'm like, let me introduce mm, you gonna, to Nick. I'm going to watch <laughs> out. Solo sit. <laughs> Nick over here. Solo sit. I got 30 jumps. Better watch out. <laughs> Scott, I haven't even heard of someone oh, as good solid. as me. I can hold it the whole time um, and not move at all. <laughs> but I've, like, I've, I've been there in that, like, you, you, talk, you guys were talking about, uh, I remember you were talking to Hank about new jumpers. Like, what advice do you have for new jumpers who don't want to approach people? And Hank's, Hank's advice, I love Hank to death, but his advice is, oh, just be brave. You already jump out of airplanes. Like, that's the scariest thing you could do. You can go talk to people. I'm like, no, the fuck I can't. At least, like, that's the, the cool thing about the mentor program is I go write my name on a board, and you have to be my friend, at least for a couple jumps. Like, you have to <laughs> jump with me. I don't have to, like, I we know do, I'm, I'm we not going to. We do it willingly. Trust me. I, yeah, There's but it's There's a reason like, why we write our name on the board. I'm not going to go. We want to jump with you. I know. And it's, and it's, I, that's the thing. I want to jump with people. I want to get more gooder, and you know, <laughs> I'm. Not, but I know, like I see, I see all the the jump package people and and the really experienced people that are going out there doing angle jumps and free flies. And I'm like, Angels. I'm not, I'm not gonna walk up to you and be like, hey, do you? I'm, I'm new. Do you want to jump with me? Like, I can sort of hang on my belly a little bit. And but and what you were talking I about, mean, you can pay those numbers. dudes for coaching. I. That and that's that's you'll get to a point of I'm trying to learn a thing and I um, you're sure someone had to be the pioneer and go figure it out but those people spend a lot more time and money than than anyone has to anymore and uh, when you're really stuck on a thing or you really want to learn a new thing that's that's when you grab one of those people that you know can do that thing really well and say hey man I'm really interested in doing some coaching what's your day rate what does it take to 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 do this or that whatever whatever you're trying to learn yeah but uh, so. Uh, like, I am looking forward to that. So, but yeah, but that th- that dude's not the one to go grab and be like, "Hey, man, come do a two way with me," because you know, so, some sometimes that person will go. But honestly, they're not super psyched about uh, about doing that jump. Yeah. For, for the most part. Exactly. But um, well, and that's and again, it's one of those things that says it's kind of I mean the mentor program like up to a hundred jumps. Like I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. it's just, it's not so bad to go try to. Jump with people, and then even you know, I mean, Spaceland's got organizers. I showed up. I had, I think I had thirty-two jumps, and I I showed up one day, and Chuck Akers is out there with a clipboard, like, "Hey, do you want to skydive?" And I'm like, I didn't know this dude at all, at all yet. 
And I was like, I mean, yeah, I want to skydive. I'm, I'm, I'm here. Like, I thought he just meant in general. Like, yeah, I mean. I'm, oh, I'm, you didn't get that he was trying to organize you? Into a <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. And uh, Hank was sitting there at the student tables, and Chuck was Chuck was sitting there, and and he's like, "You want to skydive?" And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, yeah." And yeah, so and and so Hank kind of <laughs> Hank kind of in- interceded and was like, "Yeah," he's like, "This guy, this guy's solid." And Hank, and Chuck's like, "Yeah," he's like, "You can, you can come to, come hang with us," and and he's like, "All right," he's like, "We're we're on a fifteen minute call if you can get ready." And I'm like, "I just got here. Like, I was gonna." My wife and kids were with me. I was going to watch the first load lane and see how things were because I had 30 jumps and I was not confident at all. And he's like, all right, 15 minute call. He's like, go grab a rig. Come with us. And I'm like, Hank just kind of nodding at me like, just, just do it. Just go with him. And I went and did a five way at 32 jumps. And they're like, yeah, man, you're pretty good. And like I was actually able to maybe, you know, stay in a slot on a just a five way round. No big deal. Just to hold a fall rate. Just try to hold a fall rate and stay close to us. And I kind of backslid a little bit. Some positive legs brought me back forward, and I stayed with them. And then we turned away and tracked off. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I think that was like 32, 33 jumps. And I got my SCR that day, so eight-way uh, eight way round. If you're jumping with Chuck, you're going to get your SCR. Yeah, but I, like my first, <laughs> day, my first day with him, I got it. So it's like I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit bummed to be out of mentor jumps because now I don't have guaranteed people to jump with, like – and anytime I show up, like, hey, there's mentors flying today. Like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, I can go jump with anybody. Man, I feel like there's three people right here, guaranteed, any day. No, not really. No. Not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I've, they I've, guarantee as much as speak for myself. As, then, much as, as much as I listen to this show, I've almost never spoken to you on the drop zone. Because every time I see you, you're just I'm, I'm usually doing something. Walk. You're so busy. Like, you're always busy. So I'm not, again, I've listened to enough of this show to not be like, middle of your workout when i show up early in the morning i'm like oh hey nick fucking i listen to the podcast i'm a huge fan like while you're working out like i'm not gonna fuck with you while you're working out and then you're doing tandem videos and all like you know there there are days where i'd be open to that and super excited for the invitation and then there are days where i would be really upset that you're talking to me and no (laughs) no one knows what sort of day i'm having other than me (laughs) exactly i I think i can read you pretty well i've had i've had people try to approach me in the gym and i'm like it's all about the eye contact oh for sure for sure, it's um, and I'm I'm with Nick. It, it's a moment. It's a time. I think both of us in the last uh, couple of weeks have just been super busy. It, it's the last couple of days of the drop zone. Either him or I have been doing. We're working on some projects together and some projects separately, and it's just crossing paths and going crazy, dude. I still am so excited about those headsets. We got some headsets you can talk to each other in canopy and shit, and we're we're so it's it's oh, a lot cool. of it's weird. I leave the airplane, I'm three seconds, maybe two seconds out the plane, and Nick's like, "Can you hear me?" or something like that. I'm like, "I can barely hear you, man." <laughs> and and I'm tra- still I'm still standing in the door of the airplane, just w- looking at the top of his head. He's in free fall, and I'm hearing his voice. I'm still in the plane, so I hear him pretty well, being like, "I can barely hear you," and I'm just giggling. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "This is so fucking weird," oh. because it, like being in free fall, it's like, yeah, you can you can mouth things to people. You pull first, but like especially. <laughs> <laughs> Especially on exit, it's just like such a mentally solitary thing, you know. Yeah. It's like I feel like I've always been alone in that moment, and it's like now I'm chatting with a buddy, and I hear his voice, and we're about to to go and chat it up under canopy where we're flying around. Like I, that's so I, weird. I've never taken a tandem passenger. I don't know what it's like to be able to just say some shit into somebody else's ear, and it's like 
talking to DJ while we're flying canopies, and it's yeah, it was just, it was, just, it was Dude, all around very <laughs> silly. In the door, I looked down. I'm like, man, this is not the jump run I expected. No, I think we're good. Yeah, no, we're good. Right, let's go. We're talking casually about the spot. And yeah, and it's like you're not shouting over the noise of the airplane. It's not like, blah, 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 blah. Just calmly talking into these microphones, and it's <laughs> really nice. Yeah, I, I think it was super helpful in the plane early on. We practiced talking in the mics with the noise, so we uh-huh. didn't yell at each other under canopy. Yeah, we were, gonna, we were going out to the airplane, and we were like going to turn off these comms. Before we got on the plane, because just preserve the battery, I guess. And I was like, let's just keep talking, so we're not just yelling at each I'm other. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. Because it's not like like this with the, this microphone right now. I can hear myself in my in my ears to yeah. some extent, so it's like I can tell how loud I am. But when we're talking into these uh, the comms that were in our helmets, you don't hear your voice at all. So when you don't hear your voice, and you don't you can't really tell if the microphone's picking up your voice, and the noise of the airplane is still there. It feels like you should be shouting. But <laughs> yeah, that just hurts DJ's ears when I do that. Oh, dude, it, it, it's weird. Um, what I, sh- were you saying? I shouted in Rory's ears too. <laughs> so you're so not going to leave. You're talking about you're talking about headsets, and um, so I got in I got in the tunnel a year ago when I first started. So my my then two year old, now three year old, my son was obsessed with flying. Like I would sit there and going to bed after after we 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 read we read every night we read a bedtime story and then i would go sit in the recliner in his room with him and we'd watch a skydive video just some sort of video on a on a skydive and uh the few times we went to the tunnel and he's like can i fly now i'm like no buddy you're two like you have to be three before you can fly and he's like i can do it and you know the little round benches they have their little round chairs he he gets up he gets up on the round chair on his belly and he has his arms up and he has his legs up. He's like, see, I can do it. I'm like, yeah, I, I know you can do it. They just, they won't <laughs> let you yet. You're not three. So he just turned three on Christmas Eve. So we took him out to the tunnel. And I haven't been since they implemented all the VR stuff. So they've got, I, I watched a couple people do these VR VR jumps in Switzerland and all this. Other, and I'm, I'm like, I'm watching this guy's VR jump. And I see the hand go forward to, to pitch with the, tattoos on i'm like hey i'm like i know who did these jumps i know that that guy i know those mistakes Um, but no it was funny because my three-year-old he he's sitting there he's got the little helmet on and he's so fucking tiny and he gets in the tunnel he's freaking out like he's just there's no tears but he's his face is he's crying and he's freaking out and then the whole time he's in the tunnel like his 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 body position was actually pretty fucking good like the the tunnel instructor had him by the hands and the rest of his body was out in the wind and he was holding them up and he was doing good but his face is crying and then <laughs> the little lights start flashing his minutes up and he gets back over to the edge and the instructor pulls his pulls his face mask up and he's like high-fiving him and runs back over and sits down and he's all fucking grins and stuff but yeah my my uh, my 3-year-old finally got to fly in the tunnel and that's awesome it's hard it's hard for me to know like I get that the whole I fly thing when it talks talking about like lower and upper age limits, they'll always say, "Oh, we fly people from three to 103." And I I do wonder, just based on a lot of the really young kids I've seen, if three is is the right number. It's probably not. It seems to be. So he, like I said, he really wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. It was super overwhelming for him. I think just just um, sensory overload there's so much going on was it a, a busy day while you guys were there it wasn't really no? it wasn't too bad it was just i mean you think about being that little suspended on the wind like you're mm-hmm. there's somebody holding your hands and you're completely vertical and i want to take know, my niece sophie in the tunnel when she's three 
Because I just, I. But then you ask him if he enjoyed it, and he's like, "Yeah, that was fine." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "You were crying the whole time." Mm-hmm. He's like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> no, you were watching no, some other kid, Dad. Yeah, that, that was not me. That was exactly. not me." No, I feel like the instruct, like especially the instructors who have kids who are used to communicating with with children. Mm-hmm. If if you have an, uh, an instructor who's a mom or dad, and you're there on a, uh, a you know, a, a chill weekday, yeah, I feel like that's a lot better experience for, yeah. for those kids. That's usually when I see it go a little better because they can ease them into the wind a little bit they can you know it's a lot more playful it's not like hey it's saturday and every minute today is sold and i need you to get you into the tunnel right now i could see that but uh yeah i've seen instructors put their kit on the net and let their buddies yeah let them hop around yeah like look we just have a breeze coming in here hey look now we're not look look you can do something with the wind hey let's turn it up and they slowly build them up to flying, and that would and that be a good would introduction. Be, that would be yeah, way and it's, it's cool when they can do that. And the, it, the day's not so busy that the timer starts when they start playing around in the wind. You know that they can be a little charitable with with how they're using that time. Yeah, but that's not that's not always. Ex- you know, depends on the instructor. Depends on on the day. It um, I, I mentioned my niece, so I have to remember. I talked to Debbie this week. We were talking about skydiving. Hey, Debbie, you are uh, when she comes, she's gonna do a tandem with me, and you're gonna join us. Perfect. Cool. Um. So one of the things that we were talking about, you can ju- please join us as well. Um, but you know they're in love with each other. I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> uh, goal setting is kind of what we had mentioned. And the th- reason I thought your idea was great is you had a goal. The thing you emphasized with the mentor program were goals. When you talked about doing these jumps, you always had goals. So many people go out on skydives and they just do flips and shit. They go on skydives, they don't know what to do. The goal might be, hey, I want to get to my B license. That's a great first goal, by the way, after your A license. That's a great first goal, by the way. Hey, now I want to get to the point where I can get to 100 jumps. That's a great second goal. Hey, man, I want to get to a coach rating, which you qualify for at this point, but why not wait till you have 200 jumps? That's a great next goal. And that's Bring the minimum, you take the minimum. Yeah, exactly, man. And the thing that you, you, you've mentioned through a lot of your stories is you always had goals in learning and goals in progressing. And if you're out there and you don't know what to do, uh, a buddy of mine came up to me uh, the other day, uh, a jumper, and said, hey, man, I'd like to talk to you and get some personal advice. I was busy at the moment. I'm like, hey, man, let me get back to you, and and I'll hit you back up. Ten minutes later, I come back thinking, personal advice? You don't want personal advice from me, bro. I don't have advice. I'm good. Like, hey, what you got? Like, man, I'm looking for uh, some goals this year. I'm looking for progress, and I'm really trying to figure out blah, 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 and, and and, uh, you know, what, what goals should I be chasing? What, what, what should I set for goals in front of me? And the first question I asked him, what do you want to be able to do in a year from now? Dude, I'll get back to you, bro. <laughs> he was really cool. He was really nice about it. I don't think that's how he said it. But have those ideas. You have that. In a year from now, I want this thing. That year from now, I'm a little nervous because I'm going to Colorado where it's like 7,000 feet is the ground. Yeah, yep, and yep. I know you come in a lot faster. Yeah, uh, I I learned at uh, like forty five hundred feet ground elevation. Okay, and I mean it's it's totally possible. You're just gonna have to uh, bump everything up. The the ev- everything about how you fly your pattern and, and where you start your flare, you're just gonna move everything up a little bit. It's gonna be about eighteen percent faster. You might you might roll in the dirt once or twice, but. You'll figure it out. So I think for you, it's going to work out really well. And the reason I say that is, is I believe you're timing to a 190. When you go to Colorado, I think you're going to be well experienced on a 190. And you might be ready for a 170. And if that's the case, you're going to be good. Because going to Colorado is going to be similar to downsizing. Uh, just the density, altitude, et cetera. Yeah. But I think where your experience and timing lies, I think you're, I think you're going to be 
and a gold place there. And then your attitude sells so much, dude. I'm worried. I'm concerned. I'm thinking about these things. <laughs> yeah, the guy that gets hurt is almost always the I got this shit under control. I got this, bro. So I was, I was, I was. My on skills are solid. Yeah, solid. I was on a, I was on a Chuckway one day, and I'm the best student Texas ever had. It felt, <laughs> it felt pretty good to me, because we landed and we went into the, we went in, we we're packing, and he comes up, he's like, you know, you're not, you're not flying that good for. So-. He's like, you're, he's like, he's like, you're flying okay for someone with 200 jumps. And like I heard the like you're not flying that good you're flying okay and like that was the part that stuck out and I was like what the f-? I was like that's r-. and then it, the 200 jumps part sunk in I was like oh I was like I that was just a backhand of couple I was a backhand yeah. I was like I have 50 jumps it was uh, it was right about because I remember being 50 jumps and he's like yeah you're flying okay for someone with 200 jumps I was like oh oh shit okay I'm gonna <laughs> kiss that bald head right <laughs> now <laughs> right 200 jumps let me just brush this dirt off my shoulders real quick well that's like that's one of the things I was saying is I'm excited at, at the I mean I'll be out of the mentor program I was in the bathroom looking at the 2019 transitions things and yeah. I'm like I don't know why I'm looking at these because I maybe January February I might qualify for but after that I'm out I don't have a you know I'll be over 100 jumps but at least there's organizers and there's still people because you're that gonna have your coach ready by midsummer and be a mentor for the last half of it that's oh, actually what, that's what? so that's kind of one of the things I'm disappointed at. So because <laughs> the 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 canine instructor thing is a four year controlled tour. I've been here for three years now, and at the end of this year, I have to leave. But there's a part there's a there's a kind of a tweak in the rules. I have to leave the unit that I'm in. So my first three choices were still San Antonio bases, just the base side. Like I can transfer to the base side cops and that's technically still leaving the, I was try I was really trying hard to stay here. Uh, and Colorado is my second choice. Uh, mostly because the my wife, well, <laughs> <laughs> military, I still can't do that. My, I could help myself. My wife works for USAA. <laughs> Their main hub is here. They have other hubs in Colorado Springs, ah. Phoenix, and Tampa. And Tampa and Phoenix were really not all that uh, ideal for us. But here, here, and here, and and, Col- and Colorado Springs were the you know. So if we we're moving there, she'll still be able she'll be able to transfer. Uh, and USA is a really good company. They if they 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 invest in you when they hire you, they want to keep you. So if we were to PCS, you know, move somewhere where there's no USA hub, she could just work from home. She's an insurance adjuster. Like she could just, you know, phone, computer. It's all she needs. She can work from home. They 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 have mobile or remote. It's got it's a remote assignment basically. Um, but being in the office, actually in one of the offices, the advancement opportunities are a lot easier. Um, so that's why we were kind of looking at bases near USA hubs. Um, but for Colorado, but anyway, I, I really like my first choice was to stay here because like the two things I'm going to miss leaving Texas is Spaceland and HEB. It's like, that's <laughs> what I'm going to miss. I was really that's hoping my first job. I was really hoping to come out of the mentor program and be on the mentor side of the mentor program. Cause I really think it's a valuable. Justin was one of the first to do that. Val- it's a valuable yeah. thing that, yeah. that you're giving. To I was the second one behind uh, Cheeseman. Giving. John How many jumps did you have there. when you started mentoring? Uh, I got my coach rating at 199. My first mentor jump was 200, Dope, 201. Dude. So I all think you I did a do fun jump on 200. Just step up your your scheduling a little bit. I mean, dude, it, it's Spaceland. Like in in the summer, 
I mean, the people on the jump package will do north of 100 jumps in a month. So if you have the money to throw at doing 100 jumps in a month, then it's super possible. And if you don't, then you're going to be standing out on the corner giving a few more hand jobs than you planned. And <laughs> then you'll have that money real quick. It was That was actually really funny because, you know, ST, STP students are STD? near the front of the plane. Huh? He said hand job and I heard STD. Oh, <laughs> I, wear, I wear gloves, man. STP students are near the front of the plane. So when you're in STP, you're looking at all of the fun jumpers, except for, I mean, wingsuiters are behind you, but everybody else is in front of you. They don't count. And I swear, in all of my, I did 20 jumps in two days. I don't think that there was a load that Henry Guyver was not on. <laughs> I remember seeing that on Meals Under Canopy, orange G3 in front of me, like every single fucking time I got on that airplane. And the uh, the tuxedo bow tie jumpsuit. I, was I love like, that this jumpsuit. Guy, I, yeah, I want one. Yeah. I have a tuxedo Speedo. There you Your go. Speedo made it. That. So we're a little <laughs> bit over time. I'm going to take it just a little bit longer over time because one question I wanted to hit, one thing I wanted to talk about is uh, when you started skydiving, how much did you weigh? Um, 225. How much do you weigh today? 189. So something oh. that uh, has been fun for us for the show is we really skydiving is our catalyst, but we like to break into other conversations. Uh, our space, if you know about it, space conversations delayed with the government shutdowns. Uh, the NASA guys aren't working the way they normally would be. Uh, what Nick and I need to do and Justin need to do before we do the space conversation is not happening. So uh, after the government shutdown, we'll get that back going. Uh, Nick, we're looking at getting a yogi in and talking about yoga. Uh, a couple this is uh, why I work in oil and gas. Oil and gas. <laughs> oil and gas. <laughs> Never um, gets shut down. <laughs> one of the things that we did is we brought in fitness people and health health people. And I think you actually told and shared me the share the story with me. You've lost a lot of that weight, kind of due to the influence of. I'm not gonna say the show. I'm gonna say Nick and other friends, because I have nothing to do with it. Is that is there a truth to that? Did I say that right? Yeah, I was eat, I was eating a one bar at work one day, <laughs> and one of my God, buddies. Dude, I had a one bar today for the first time so in like good. months. I had a one bar at work one day. And one of my buddies like, you only eat that because that guy on the podcast says it's good. I was like, <laughs> uh, I only tried it because that guy on the podcast said it was good, and I liked it. So and it happens to be delicious. It. it happens to dude, be I, wonderful. I had uh, <laughs> a fucking lemon cake one today. Love Holy that one. Shit, lemon cake, dude, dude. Yeah. Oh, those I are good. I haven't seen that one. So Sprouts usually has them, and I think. <sighs> I, f- I follow one get one brand on. Uh, there? God, there is the sexiest hippie girl that works there. I haven't seen her I for a while. I remember you talking about. <laughs> really? Did I? Yeah. Oh, I thought I was. Uh, yeah. Never mind. Uh, thought it was telepathic. <laughs> yeah, maybe I was just thinking it too hard. No, but uh, it sprouts. All uh, they have usually like five or six flavors yeah. now. But I follow one brands on Instagram, and I think GNC carries a whole bunch of their stuff. Dude, okay. Amazon sells a variety or, yeah, pack I of did like buy several boxes of them. That's on what I, I had one. I felt I like, like such an idiot bags. because I I tried several several of the different flavors, and then I saw one that was almond bliss, and I was like, what the fuck is almond bliss? I was like, whatever. It's a fucking, it's a fucking so, almond joy. Yeah, so, almond no, joy. yeah. So, so I bought joy. it, and I like I opened <laughs> this thing up, and I was like, oh whatever. I'm like, I I, mean, I like almonds well enough, but whatever. And mm. I took a bite of it, and I was like. Damn, that tastes like an almond joy. And I was like, almonds, almond bliss. I'm fucking stupid. God damn it. This is wonderful. <laughs> God, they're so good. Um, yeah, those are good. But yeah, like you had somebody on talking about keto and talking about intermittent fasting. And that was kind of like what, after I heard about that, I was like, damn, let me, I mean, I'm curious now. So I started doing research and yeah, I'm, I lost like 40 pounds and now I'm gaining weight again because I'm lifting a lot more. And but mass then instead. Yeah, mass, not not fat. Beefcake. 
So you're really, for me, you're such a fun story and a cool story because Nick and I started, Justin joined us, and A, we just want to share our friends getting to know each other, share the sport, share these stories, and even share some some life experiences, and you're, you're cool, dude, because we have some influence of you on skydiving, and then at some point, an influence on your life, and the fact that this show has any impact on anybody, what the, man, that is so cool, dude. Uh, I'm just tickled. I'm really honored that you actually take in any of this and, and take any of what we say serious. Um, thank you so much, bro. Thank you for being thank you. for listening to the show and being a fan. Um, learned a lot. The thing that I, I want people who are listening to know is we are definitely looking at these other endeavors. We're definitely looking at these other ideas. Um, if you know a good topic, you see a hot topic, Monty at GravityLabRadio.com. Hit me up. Let me know. Uh, some of these we might chase. Some of these it might take us months to chase. Um, uh, just different things going on. Um, as we wrap up, man, any last things you want to share with your friends? Anything you want to share with skydivers, new jumpers advice in their first hundred jumps? I think I think we've hit most of it. Yeah. We'll never hit most of it. I Flips and it. shit. That's Flips it. Flips and shit. Quesaritas. Heads, 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 heads down. Orgasm heads in down, your bro. mouth. Solo heads down. Yo, <laughs> Mr. P, dope jersey you got on? Anything uh, else you got to say? No, I really like this jersey. Thank you very much. I like Appreciate how we it. all wore Sh- the Gravity Lab jerseys. Shout, shout out to Adam Buckner, Option Studios. What, what? Option Studios. Oh, you, and Elsa's now Elsa. Options. She's actually been with Options for a while. I just uh, she's uh, She's been a sub for a while. I just didn't know how much they were talking about it, but they made a big announcement. Uh, Elsa will her. be at PIA representing Option Studios. So she's they have a booth there at PIA. If you're at the uh, symposium in Dallas, dude, find some time, check it out. It's Monday through Friday. You got to get a weekday off. You're gonna go. It's between 4 p.m. and 8 p.m. The Expo Hall floor is open. It's seven bucks to get in. Most of your major manufacturers are there. You're gonna see uh, all sorts of reps. Um, uh, Luke Akins and Jeffro Provenzano are in the LMB booth. Roberta Mancino, who is a absolutely uh, gorgeous but also very sweet Italian model, who's also a skydiver, is in that booth. Laura Wagner of Texas fame, uh, absolutely great gal, gal is there. Uh, Jetman, you know Vince uh, and Fred, the guys who fly the jets? The Dubai uh, Jetpack? Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. They were at the last one, coincidentally, uh, hung out with a lot of the L&B crew and had a good time. You see, uh, I mean, you see everybody there, man. Uh, what, what's his name? Oh, my God. The vice president, uh, one of the founders, not, not Co. of PD, not Bill Co. Uh, John LeBlanc. John LeBlanc, you, you, you name it, man. The guys who run open this company, Bill Booth, it, it's a good time, and you see some really cool equipment, man. So uh, if you're listening to this, I was actually presenting this, and I was looking at Joel the whole time trying to convince you to go. I know work sucks, but if you're in the Texas area, make it out to PIA. Mr. Grubbs, what you got? I got this outro music right here. So, uh, yeah, hit that funky music, white boy. Guys and gals, next week we're going to take the week off. Uh, Mr. P and myself got some personal business we're going to be taking care of. We're both going to Cirque du Soleil. Different days because we're gay. <laughs> Guys and gals, <laughs> Gravity Lab Radio. That makes it less gay. Oh, yo, buy a jersey, 75 bucks. Monty at GravityLabRadio.com. Go home. <laughs>